The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here alongside the young boy, Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be discussing nights four through seven of the G1 Climax 28, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show and network by subscribing on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get the podcast and columns delivered directly to your email inbox also make sure to check out our friends at purezuroad.com a lot of great puro content up on that site alright young boy G1 Climax nights 4 through 7 yeah man so Real interesting. I uh, I don't know. I I, I woke up this morning, um, and <laughs> like I had a good night's sleep and everything like that. But I just, bro, I woke up so tired and like lethargic, and I'm like, I'm wondering if it's from the G1. <laughs> <laughs> like I I don't think it is because these shows have been phenomenal. Um, I was listening to Observer t- earlier this morning, and I guess over the weekend he was saying like. He likened watching the G1 to, like, eating steak. steak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was saying, like, you know, like, you can't eat steak, you know, for every, like, for every meal because eventually, like, you'll get sick, you know, that sort of thing uh, if you eat, like, red meat. Yeah. And, but he was like, but he's like, man, this is kind of like steak. Like, y- like, you don't really get sick of it, you know, because it's so good. And, you know, sometimes it is a little bit of an overload, like, four days in a row, which is what we basically just went through. We were like, boom, 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 back to back. But... The, the tournament's been so good and like all the matches I'm wondering like a little bit if it caught up with me I, or maybe I'm just tired and it's unrelated like yeah. I am so tired today I have no idea I even came home uh, and took a nap and I'm still like feeling lethargic but this tournament has been freaking awesome man yeah man it's just been a definitely a great change of pace just overall in wrestling in general especially if you've been watching other products um, what would you be watching Hey man, I'm, I try to keep up with everything. <laughs> like why? Why? <laughs> if you're listening to the show, why would you watch anything else? <laughs> no, actually, you know what's funny is I went out. Uh, what was it? Friday, Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went out Saturday night, and I was with my boy Reggie, and uh, I ran into this this kid, and he's training to be a wrestler, and uh, I won't I won't mention any names, but he's training at one of the local schools, and he's like, I don't like modern style wrestling, and I was like. 
why? <laughs> I was like, I was like, modern style wrestling is great, and he's like, I, I, I'm just, I'm a throwback, you know. And my trainer's a throwback, so we're trying to merge that into the new school, you know, kind of change the game. And I was like, oh, that, that's cool. Like, you know, he's like, what do you watch? And I was like, oh, me? I was like, I watch everything. And he was like, yeah, like what? And I was like, uh, like Perezu, Lucha Libre, Shoot Style, like 70s and 80s, freaking uh, World of Sport from England, uh, like Brazilian freaking fake fighting when they were monsters, uh, you know, Joshi, uh, you know, modern indies, WWE product, pretty much everything from the 80s, freaking all Japan. Like, I was like, like literally, like, every, like catch style over in, over in Europe. He's like, do you know what catches catch can is? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, man, I love Catches, Catches, Ken. I was like, you know, Josh Barnett, Billy Robinson, you know, freaking the Snake Hole Pit. And, like, I could tell he didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I love Catch Wrestling. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so I was, oh, my gosh, dude. Yeah, it was an interesting night. It was a really, really, really interesting night. Yeah, man. Also, you know, keeping all stuff on TV, also going to live events in the area. You know, Rich and I, we were at uh, Shine 52. Yeah, he knew who uh, you guys were. He saw a picture of you. He's like, I know these guys. And I'm like, yeah, we're out here, man. Yeah. We're here. He's like, you should meet all these wrestlers. I was like, we know all those We wrestlers. know all these people. <laughs> I was like, we know all them. He's like, oh, you have like 400 friends on Facebook. Like, that's cute. And I was like, yeah, we we just started the Facebook. Like, that's not even how we draw people that listen to this <laughs> show, man. Like, what? Oh, my gosh. That that night was a, a little interesting. <laughs> Yeah, so let's uh, stop wasting time on jobbers and uh, move on to... And bury all the frogs. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I said that to say this, like, you know, we, we watch everything, but I will say that, uh, you know, I've never watched an entire G1, so I, I cannot sit here and say, like, this is the best G1. And you know what? I don't think necessarily it is the best G1, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's up there, man. With the, the amount of quality matches that we've already gotten and so we're And we're only seven nights in, man. Seven nights. And you know what? I am so proud of me and Jeremy. Before we move on, I just want to say this. We have not gotten behind a single day. Dedicated AF. Like, we are on this. Dude, crowd. yeah, man. We've been we've been even watching the undercard matches. Yeah, and let's... Before we move on, let's talk about that real quick. So we're not going to do a full review of the undercard matches, but I will say this. Watching the undercard matches during the G1 Climax is so refreshing if you're a, if you're a New Japan fan and it is so much easier to get through than say like a Kazuna Road Tour or Road to New Beginning mm-hmm. and you know why do you think that is Jeremy? Well because on the normal Road 2 shows we get a tag match and we get that same tag match over and over and over and over yep. and yep. over and over again. Yeah you got these feuds going you know and maybe it's like Chaos versus Suzuki Goon. So you're getting like the same tag You'll matches. You'll get Taichi, Iska, and like Taka against Yoshihashi, Goto, yep. and Yano. And Yano. And over, it, over and, and over, over again. and over again. And I think we that's been one of our only, like, I don't have a lot of criticisms about although I'm sure there's going to be a lot we'll talk about during this tournament. But that is one of the things where, as a fan, we always talk about how you get rewarded watching uh, the road, like the road two shows, and you do. But you also have to go through a lot of monotony. And with this, this is great, you know, because all these guys that are in the in the tournament, they're teaming with you know whoever they're teaming with in a tag team each night. But they're facing a different tag team 
every single night. Right. So the tag matches are are fresh. You're not getting the same tag match every night. New tag matches. Yeah, just like how we're getting uh, matches during this G1 that we've never seen. We're getting tag matches we've never seen. And granted, I won't tell you that a single tag match I've seen during this tournament has been blow away. There's nothing. Uh, I wouldn't rank any of it very high at all. But it's fresh. It's new. Everything is solid. Everything's and, more than solid. It's pretty good. And they're also they're pretty quick too. They're quick. Yeah, they're yeah. Like eight minutes each. So they're getting getting in, getting out. And they're forwarding the storylines for the, the matches the, pre- the, next, the day. next night. Yeah. So every single one of them kind of does have meaning and mm. their significance to it, which is very interesting. And they're but, they're also kind of planting seeds for future stuff, like, like the World Tag League. Yeah, like God. Um, I mean, they're undefeated in all their undercard tag matches with uh, Tangaloa hitting the uh, the Rikishi driver and yeah. getting the pinfall every night. Yeah. So, like for me as a as someone who's never watched the G one, I was kind of saying I wasn't going to watch these undercards, but I found them a breeze, man. They're really easy to get through, and actually, I, I find this to be like maybe the most interesting tour of the entire. Uh, maybe we sound like New Japan noobs. I mean, obviously, if you're listening for a while, you know we're pretty knowledgeable on the product. But granted, we both have admitted. Never watched a full G1, uh, you know, entire tour. Right. And I'm like, this is great. This is like the most interesting tour we've had all year. Yeah, man, it's been awesome. So, uh, and all, and like we said, it's it's been pretty mm. rewarding. There's been a lot of like cool teases. So, you know, you don't want to burn yourself out if if it's not for you. It's not for you. If you, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are probably cherry picking. I'm sure they're listening to get our recommendations. Right. But I am telling you, I do like pretty much recommend watching these matches it, it, they're it's really good it yeah. actually is yeah it's a, it's a tight show from uh, beginning to end top to bottom every yeah. night even on some of these nights where the blocks like aren't like let's say cuz we're going to get into it but a block obviously is not performing as well as b block but you got all those b block guys performing in tag team matches on the so you're card. still getting good action you're still getting good stuff yeah. man so yeah um, you know, uh, big recommendation. especially with like Kenny Omega, he's a guy that's kind of had like a little bit of. It seems like a lighter schedule this year. Like he hasn't been on as many tours. So now we're seeing him. Yeah, now we're seeing him like every single night, and it's awesome. Hot take: him and him and Chase is a much better tag team than the Golden Lovers. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking said uh, it. Oh man, I said it. Bomb dropping the mic. But you want to know the even hotter take? Uh, Kenny Omega. And Chase is not as good as Chase Chase Owens and Hangman Page. No. Oh, yeah. Hangman Page and Chase is awesome. Dude, I'm sold on Chase and Hangman for World Tag League. Hangman Page. Yeah, I was going to make a joke about him and Kota Ibushi being better than... Oh. (laughs) But actually, uh, you're right. Hangman Page and Chase Owens is a great tag team that I'm, I'm like... Put them in the freaking World Tag League and give them a run. Yeah, and we've heard on commentary they've been saying Chase has been trying to politic and get him and um, <laughs> Page lined up for the World Tag League. Yeah. So, so that would be great, dude. If you got Owens and Page, um, but Young Bucks, mm-hmm. dude, I, I'm actually looking forward to World Tag League this There's year. There's other guys, too, that I think these undercard uh, shows have been like beneficial to that aren't in the G1, but maybe are right on the cusp, like Hanare. David Finley, uh, my, yo, my boy, uh, uh, what's the young boy that, that I like that's in the... Narita. Ren Narita is jacked right now. Yeah, he's man. He's huge. <laughs> Vascular. Look at him, man. <laughs> yeah, he's getting, he's, he's getting jacked. Um, who else? Chase Owens, obviously. Yeah, he's dude, Chase has been doing great stuff. Uh, Desperado. Mm-hmm. Like, Taka. It's been like it's yeah, been really, Taka and Saber. I like that team. There's been a bunch of guys that are not in the G1 that are on the tour that I'm like this. This has been really good for them. The C Block guys. Yeah, the C Block. <laughs> <laughs> 
man. So let's get into it, man. So we're, we're going to do this a little different than normal, right? Yeah, so we're not going to go night by night by night. We're going to look at each wrestler and kind of see how they've been doing the tournament and kind of like how their, their path has been so far. Uh, through nights four through seven, so we'll start in the A block. Oh, we're gonna talk about the matches, right? Yeah, we're gonna talk about the matches. Yeah, great. Um, just not like night four, all night five, all night six. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna start off with the A block, and right now, uh, Switchblade Jay White is in the lead at A block. He has uh, three wins, one loss, with a total of six points. Um, so, what has been your overall thoughts on Switchblade Jay White in this tournament? Mixed. Um, very mixed, although I'm, I'm almost inclined to say he's the performer of the A block so far, but I'm not quite there yet, and there's probably reasons why, but from a kayfabe perspective, you got to go with Jay White just because he's got a win over Tanahashi and Okada back-to-back. But with that being said, I think we, we kind of gave our reviews of those matches last week and, you know, kind of the drawbacks with all the interference and things of that nature. Um, this over the past uh, two like block nights for the A block that we co- that we're covering, he wrestled. Uh, who did he wrestle? He wrestled Big Mike, Michael yes. Elgin on night five, and on night seven he wrestled the King Minoru Suzuki. Which I thought um, the match with Michael Elgin so far is the standout match for him in this tournament. Yeah, I would agree. Um, now, you could make an argument for the Okada, but I think o- the Okada match in so many ways was a letdown because of the the style that they wrestled, the storyline, and all the anticipation what you thought it could be. And it mm-hmm. was probably only close to four stars, whereas the match with Michael Elgin might be right there. It might be the same rating, but overall, I'd still rank it as a better match, a more enjoyable match. And it was... Really good storytelling and really, really hard-hitting. I, I liked that match a lot. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, I definitely say this, this match is worth a watch. Um, great action between these guys. You know, Michael Elgin, he brings that uh, strong style, hard-hitting moves. And, you know, Jay White is play, has been playing, you know, excellent to his character. He's this kind of like weaselly little guy mm-hmm. that's going to find right. any single way to win. And that's one reason why I would almost say, in a way, he is the performer of the of the block, in a way, because his character work has been so good. Uh, his story arc is, in a way, the most compelling. And even though he's still doing a lot of the cheating, you know, it's not as egregious as those first two nights. And it hasn't had to be because they're portraying him to be on the same level mm-hmm. as a Michael Elgin or uh, who else did he wrestle? Oh, uh, Suzuki. Well, he got he got killed by Suzuki. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he showed him in this. The Suzuki match was really good too, and um, I didn't think it was as good as the Elgin match, but I I enjoyed it because he was scared. He was so oh, scared. Oh yeah, of I mean the, the whole game plan was like keep away. Like he tried like yep. running away from Suzuki the whole match, and that was the whole story. Like trying to play like as much defense as he could from Suzuki, but then eventually when Suzuki got close range, it was game over, man. Uh, even the night prior when they were in the tag match against Desperado and him, he was teaming with Show, and uh, uh, like basically like it got to a point where he's standing on the apron, he's about to come in, and Suzuki's just holding Show in the gotch, and he's just looking at him. Yeah, like, are you going to come save Are you going to come save this man? Gotch pile drives uh, uh, Yo, Covers him, just looks at him, and, like, he literally is so scared. He will not go in to save him. Like, I haven't seen something like that 
since like Austin was too afraid to save Triple H as the two-man power trip when uh, mm-hmm. when Kane and The Undertaker were beating him up in 01. So I was like, this is really good storytelling. Um, I also liked how during the tag match with Yo the night prior, he started calling oh, him Komatsu. Komatsu, yeah. His, uh, young, <laughs> like, good job, Komatsu! <laughs> his young boy name, which is uh, pretty disrespectful to call somebody once they've kind of graduated and gotten gotten a gimmick. Yeah. So the crowd knew that and was like... Well, the thing is, too, is like Komatsu's his last name, mm-hmm. uh, and or maybe it's his first name, I don't know. I'm, I'm not great with that thing, but, uh, you know, Rocky, like, really did well on commentary being like you know none of his friends call him Kamatsu we all call him yo that's that's he's like that's like really disrespectful for this guy to do this and like so there's still the building tension between uh Rocky and you know Switchblade which is one of the reasons that he's been so compelling oh yeah I mean you see a lot of times in his matches it's like is he gonna back up Jay White because he's chaos or does he hate Jay White that much that he doesn't want him to win yeah, so I think that that's been a really interesting uh, aspect of the story. The match with um, Suzuki, he ended up taking a pinfall loss. He ate the gotch. Yeah, man, he ate that gotch pile driver. But he was close to winning many times during the match, even mm-hmm. though he kind of got killed. Yeah. Um, they showed him to be as competent as anyone else who wrestles Suzuki in this day and age. I mean, nobody has an easy night of Suzuki, period. Like, you just don't, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, no one's ever going to, like, eat up... Suzuki unless until he's washed and he's still and at his age he's not so you know I thought that it's been very interesting how like he did have to cheat quite a bit mm-hmm. with uh, Okada and Tanahashi but you know with Elgin even though now don't get me wrong he's still cheating but it's not the egregious pulling out the chair right in front of the ref right. you know a million chair spots in the, in the Elgin match he um, Elgin was going for the buckle bomb and um, Jay White grabbed the ref as Elgin was hitting it so yeah. the ref got bumped and then he hit a low blow and then hit the blade runner no. So, I mean, there was still a ref bump, but there, there wasn't this, you know, I'm going to pull a chair out. I'm going to, like, cheat right in front of the ref. It was ref. still egregious, of course, right, but right. He's, he's a rule breaker. And I think I said last week, there's a way where you can have a good match, break the rules, and it not be a detriment to the match. Mm-hmm. Then there's times where it's just so much that it really brings the match down. And I mm-hmm. I feel like in these couple matches, the, story, the, the stories they told, they were much better than, like, say, the Tanahashi mm-hmm. story. And I'll say this about Jay White's cheating. At least he's cheating because he wants to win. Yeah, that's a good point. We'll get to he's not He's not cheating just to cheat and just to prove that he's, you know, some kind of badass. Like, he wants to win the G1. He wants to be the leader of chaos. So he's he's desperate. He's doing whatever he can to get points and to move, to advance in this tournament. That's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, you know, I was almost to the point where, like, with uh, Suzuki. Now, the Suzuki match was short. They only went, like, 10 minutes. But it felt pretty epic like it felt longer than that (laughs) yeah um but you're right like before the suzuki match i was like this guy's undefeated like how many matches is he gonna win in this tournament like at this rate there's not very many guys that are gonna give him trouble um obviously naito probably oh that's a different block (laughs) (laughs) but um you know he still has like fale and he still has evil evil um you know but there's not a lot of guys left that i think now, anyone could be anybody in the G1. That's what happens in the G1. But, mm-hmm. you know, f- as far as, like, I think this really this this tournament has really elevated Jay White in the eyes of the fans and, you know, in the in the storyline as far as, like, uh, placement in the company. Um, you know, say what you will. Now, is he having the most blow-away matches? 
No, 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 no. not at all. Uh, but that's going to be the story of the A block, and we'll get to that as we continue on. That's mm-hmm. going to be a trend. But that being said, um, they really elevated him to a degree where it's believable that come crook or come high water, whatever, you know, whatever method he has to use, he's going to win. And at the end of the day in New Japan, that goes a long way, whether he's having the best matches or not. This is a guy who's putting himself in title contention and maybe even putting him like going for uh, a finals bid. Oh, yeah, definitely. I Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Jay White makes it to the finals. And another thing, too, is, yes, he's not having the, the most standout matches, but aside from the Tanahashi match, mm. everything he's done has been good. Right. Uh, he's definitely not the worst performer in no. the tournament. He's not the worst performer in A-Block. And I think he is overperforming to what, if you had asked prior to the G1 in San Francisco, what people's expectations of him as a performer in this tournament were going to be. I think he's overperforming. I think that I was the one when we got a question. If you, I'll keep saying this because I, I, I'm feeling vindicated. But they asked us who would be our standout guy in the A block, and I said, you know, low key. I think it's going to be White. And I, now I'm feeling so smart <laughs> saying that because he is. Yeah. Right now, yeah. I mean, we can tell from day one that the New Japan team was heavily invested in Jay White and we're just continuing to see uh, how much they're invested into this character and they really want to push this guy and get him over as as much as possibly can. Yeah, so good job, Jay. Uh, I mean, where, what are your expectations from here on out? I mean, I expect to see much of what we've been seeing you know, he suffered his first defeat, so I feel like he's going to be even more desperate moving forward in the tournament. So I expect more ref bumps, uh, more cheating to, um, you know, get as many points as he possibly can. I mean, he's already faced four of the toughest competitors in the whole <laughs> tournament in Elgin, Okada, Tanahashi, and Suzuki. And at this point, you know, the guys that are left, Yoshihashi, Makabe, you know, Hangman Page. Mm-hmm. I mean, the field is wide open for him. Um, I am interested to see what happens with Fale. Not because I think it's going to be a good match, but because of the story. I'm like, what's going to happen? Right, there? yeah. Those are like two, like, polar opposite characters, like, clashing. I see Jay White. I see a story where Jay White just does nothing but try to bait him into getting dis- disqualified the whole entire match. Yeah. That's what I literally <laughs> think he'll try to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm like... Is there anyone left who really is going to beat Jay White? And at this, another thing, too, is anyone who does beat him from this point on, it only elevates them. Right. Uh, Honestly, like, I, I could see Evil beating him. Evil Evil's the one guy who I would still probably say is on the same level or oh. above him, of course. And I kind of overlooked him. It, there are a lot of competitors. I mean, 10 guys, obviously. Mm-hmm. But... You know, Makabe's popular, but at this yeah. point in their careers, I, I see White being higher up there. Yeah, I could, I could potentially see Hangman Page beating him just because Jay White already beat him at uh, Strong Style Evolve, so Hangman could get that win back. I could see that, but I also think it's a situation where if and when Page beats him, it elevates Page. Right. So that's a good thing. Like that, the way they booked this from this point forward, any loss that Jay White takes, which I'm sure he's going to take at least one or two more hypothetically maybe more than that I don't know how many he's really realistically going to wind up with but at, he's going to have at least one or two more losses so I'm wondering who those guys will be and um, Paige is one of them he's in that running so yeah absolutely alright anything else on Jay White 
I'm interested to see him and Yoshihashi. We talked about it last week, uh, you know, with the with the entire uh, deal with Chaos versus Chaos. I think mm-hmm. that will be very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Especially for how great a tournament he's having and how many losses, you know, Yoshihashi's had so far. Yeah. All right, so let's move on next to Hiroshi Tanahashi, Oof. who is also tied with Jay White with six points. So he has three wins, one loss. On night five, he took on Bad Luck Fale. Night seven, he took on Hangman Page. Thoughts on Hiroshi Tanahashi? The ace is here, man. The ace is here, and he's having a hell of a tournament. He really, really is. Uh... I've been I've been very impressed with Tanahashi. Not to say that like you know Tanahashi's not washed, right? I mean, it, <laughs> it always seems to come around every year. People are like, Tanahashi's washed. He's too hurt. Like he just needs to go home and like take a long break. But he comes out here and proves that he's still in peak condition. He's still on top of his game, and he's capable of having great matches. And that's what he's been doing throughout this whole tournament. Yeah, every year. Um, like you said, he always gets in, in, in ring shape. I, I listened to a, uh interview that he did earlier this year when he talked about how he has, like, off-season. Yeah. And then G1 season. And then dome season. So <laughs> <laughs> and, it, like, kind of the in-between is when he's, like, kind of taking it easy. But then right. when G1 comes up, it's, it's serious business. And he's been fantastic, man. Um, you know, the match with uh, Suzuki and then the match... Now, the match with Suzuki has been one of the standout matches of the tournament so mm-hmm. far. Um, the match with White, we had our criticisms concerning that. We talked about it. Um, but, you know, talking about the, these matches with Fale and, and Hangman Page, I thought the match with Hangman Page was really, really good. Yeah. Um, they went 12 minutes, and that match didn't – it wasn't too long, wasn't too short. It was, like, just that sweet yeah, spot. Yeah, it was perfect. It was – I, I like this match better than their um, Honor United match they had on the Ring of Honor tour. I didn't even see it because that tour sucked. <laughs> um, yeah, we've been kind of critical of Ring of Honor this year. But, um, yeah, this match was a uh, handsome battle. It was yes. the handsome battle. <laughs> the G1 handsome battle. So that was kind of cool. Um I, I thought that this was great. Hangman Page looked great in that match, too. Um, but I think the the match that's been infamous that people have really been talking about and has stirred a lot of controversy amongst other matches is the match with uh, Bad Luck Fale. Yeah, so this match, you know, um, Tanahashi is one of those guys that can get a good match out of Bad Luck Fale and that they were on their way having a good match. And then the Bullet Club OG shenanigans came out. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, we'll get to Fale, but that has been the story of the tournament so far. Literally every single match that Fale has had, there's been interference. And, you know, spoiler alert, there's been DQs. This match ended in a disqualification. Yeah. Um, I will say this. I did not think it was my favorite Tanahashi and Fale match, but... It was getting there. Like yeah. it, this was this was the best match that Fale's had in the tournament so far. No surprise because Tanahashi's one of the guys that works best with Fale. And it was starting to like really, really heat up towards the end. And then they they did another screw job finish. Yeah, so uh, Tanahashi goes to the top, hits the uh, high fly flow. Um, he gets a two because Loa pulls ref out. Fale ends up hitting Loa by accident. Tamatanga comes in, hits a gun stun on Tanahashi. Fale goes for the cover. 
uh, Red Shoes, you know, he comes to you, he looks around and sees that, you know, Loa and Tam are out there. And he was like, no, nah, I'm done with this. Gives the double finger. He flips him the bird. Yeah, gives, gives him, him the Stone Cold special. <laughs> Red Shoes 316 says, I just DQ'd your ass. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the bottom line because red, red shoes said so. so. And so, and you know what? If you want to see me DQ <laughs> the OG Bullet Club, <laughs> give me a, a hell, hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Man, this is improv on the air. We haven't even discussed this. This no. like, We're making magic right now. Right here on the air. <laughs> uh, and so that led to the DQ. Um, and that's like that was like one of the most gift moments of the tournament so yes. far. And there's been a lot of people, you know, that they hate the DQs, but they've actually liked this DQ just because Red this one, this one made sense. Red Shoes was like kind of like standing up for himself and like exerting his authority. I've heard I've heard criticism of it in the sense that, you know, you don't really want to highlight a referee and make them like the the decider or the star of a of a, mm-hmm. of a match but in this case they've been literally pushing this guy around every single match and we're not just talking about in Fale's matches we're talking about Fale and Tama's matches and during every single night during the tag matches as well so it's been an ongoing thing right you know this guy's dealing with their bullcrap twice a night the whole tour so yeah it made a lot of sense um i will say that you know this match versus their match Earlier in the year from the New Japan Cup, I don't think it was as good. I did not think it was as good as their match from the G1 last year, which I really, really... I thought yeah, that was, was a great match. That's where uh, Tanahashi won by countout, right? I, you know, I can't remember if he won by countout or not, but I do remember that match being really, really, really good. This one had, like, it's funny. Um, I'm going to compare this to something that's interesting. Like, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you go back and you watch 70s New Japan... Uh, and and 80s as well. You know, one match that is prominent, they did it at least once a year, sometimes multiple times a year, was Inoki and Andre. And Inoki, in my opinion, is one of the all-time greatest Andre opponents, and it's because they had their match. You know, every time you watch their match, it was a little bit different, and you got something, a different flavor, but... The spots were kind of laid out. The, they, what they were going to do and how they were going to work the match was laid out. Yes, it was different every time, but it was kind of the same thing. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm not – trust me, Fale is nowhere near the level of Andre. Seriously. Uh, go back and watch, like, 70s Andre. He's nowhere near the level of worker. Um, you know, Tanahashi's Tanahashi, one of the all-time greats. But it is similar in a sense that you have a, a great big man and a, you know, a great little man worker who can carry him to a, a really, really good match. And I feel like that this is very similar. And it, when these two guys match up, it reminds me a lot of the Inoki andre matches to a degree. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't I great? <laughs> we gotta get a Jeff Jarrett reference in on the show today. Go double J. But um, yeah. But I will say this: uh, Tanahashi still has quite a few matches that get me excited. Um, I think him and Evil. Uh, yep. Him yeah. and Makabe. Uh, he still has Okada. Ibudakin. No, here I wrestle Suzuki. My bad. Yeah. I just want to see him run it again. <laughs> no Okada, man. Yoshihashi. Uh, obviously, the Okada is going to be the last night of the tournament. And that, mm-hmm. That's probably going to play a big factor into who goes to the finals, of course. Plus, they already had that that amazing, amazing mm-hmm. match earlier in the year. Do you think that? Do you think that it was too soon to get to do the match again after the finality? You know of of how their match seemed earlier in the year. Yeah, because it seemed like the story of that match was like that was like the last 
time for a while that you would see this guy going one on one. And then they're so, like, psych, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but I, yeah, I was heavily expecting these guys to be in opposite blocks. But hey, I'm not going to complain having another Okada Tanahashi match. Yeah, you know what? They did something like this after they wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom a few years back. They ended up being in the same uh, block finals uh, later in the year. Mm-hmm. And they wrestled to a draw that year, which ended up giving Goto... This was two years ago. Goto ended up going into the, uh, the, finals. the finals because they, they both ended up with a deficit of points, which is a great story. Um, this is very similar. We had another big, you know seminal meeting between these two guys and then we're going into the um you know the finals now we'll get to okada in a minute but i think it's interesting to think that we're getting this version of okada against tanahashi against this version of Tan- a, a streaking tanahashi a tanahashi who seems to be reinvigorated yeah against a down okada what that means i don't know but it's like it's almost like in a way we just saw it a few months ago it's like it's a fresh match <laughs> yeah it's crazy, right? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I I think Tanahashi is another guy who's having a standout performance in the A block, him and Jay White. And, um, I mean, you could almost – you could probably make the argument he's one of the top performers in the tournament so far. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what he does with some of the guys that would be considered lesser workers. Yeah. And um, based off those two matches he's had, I would say the Hangman Page match is definitely worth a watch. If you're completely over the Bullets, Bullet Club stuff, you can probably skip the Fale stuff. Just skip to the end and watch the Red Shoes moment. Yeah, the match yeah. with him and Suzuki and, J- and uh, um, Hangman Page would be like my two recommendations so far from his tournament. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, we have the King of Darkness, Evil, also tied in first place with Jay White and Tanahashi. He has six points, three wins, one loss. On night five, he took on the Unchained Gorilla, Togi Makabe, and Bad Luck Fale. Yeah, so we, we had some criticisms, um, you know, last week. Some, some of our uh, faithful listeners uh, were commenting on the Reddit post, which thank you guys for doing that. Hey, if you guys are listening to this show, hit us up on, on the Reddit message boards. We love it when you guys do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we're very active in engaging with you guys when it comes to that sort of thing. But I think that there was a few people that were kind of criticizing my take on evil uh, so far. And you know what? My, my criticisms really haven't changed. I've not been high on evil in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, these two nights, the opponents he had really didn't give him a chance to excel. He's going, I got in there with Makabe, um, who, who's been having a decent tournament, but, you know, he's um, kind of on the down downward trend as, as far as his career. career. And then you got, you know, a guy like Bad Luck Fale, um, who, to uh, quote Joe Lanza, he's a bad wrestler that has good matches with good wrestlers. Yeah. And so, not saying that Evil's not good, but, you know, Fale really needs an Okada or Tanahashi to get something good out of him. So, Evil's not that guy. Now, there are the people of, of the opinion that Evil has been fantastic, and they liken him to, like, a Michael Elgin or a Brian Cage, someone of that nature. <laughs> and I can see why. He is a bruiser. He's, like, the number two guy in LIJ and all, and all that. But for whatever reason, he's never bad. Right. He's never bad, but none of these matches really so far in the tournament have been compelling to me. Even the Elgin match, which got a lot of praise, um, I had criticisms concerning that match. I thought it had a you know a fantastic finish, but with the Fale match as well as the Makabe match, um, they didn't do a lot for me. I did 
I did like the Folly match, the way that he was playing the numbers game. Yeah, he was using Tangaloa against Fale. I thought that was smart. As far as as far as a working storyline, I thought that was great. But at the end of the day, when it comes to like evil matches, there's people who say like, "Oh, you're missing the little things he's doing," and I'm like, "I guess I am, man," because I watch his matches, and yeah, he's a talented guy, but I just get bored, man. I don't know. Am I wrong there? Yeah, it, it all depends who he's going against. I mean, I, I like evil, but I mean, these he's not really. He's kind of stuck at one level. Like, he hasn't really advanced into that, like, higher tier yeah. that he should be at right now. There are certain guys, like, we'll get to Goto in the B block, but, you know, there's certain guys like Goto who I have criticisms of, but when it's time to go, they can't, they've proven mm-hmm. that they can go. And Evil's had shining moments, but... He hasn't had consistent... He's not consistently He's shy. not a consistent, like, like, standard of level of work where I'm like very excited to watch evil um, I think he has great character work um, you know his promos you know they're they are what they are but I think I think he's entertaining he, he might not be my cup of tea but as far as his character and his promos go he's an entertaining guy he's got a great gimmick um, and he does solid work but I just never feel invested or excited when I'm watching him work um, I am I, you know he's doing well in this tournament he did well last year um, I'm, you know, I'm expecting with this particular block, especially he, he'll probably do very well. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like it's not, he hasn't been doing it for me. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like if you're a person that's cherry picking, like honestly, I would recommend either of these matches. Yeah, both of these matches are skippable. Yeah, especially you go to the Fale match. We have more. Uh, BCOG's shenanigans, you know, in his match. Uh, towards the end, he, he's going for the everything. It's evil on Fale. It gets countered into a ref bump. You got Tangaloa coming in to attack. Um, then you got Bushi coming in. He misses uh, Tangaloa. Then you get Tamatonga out, take him out. Then Naito comes out and takes out Tamatonga. I thought that part was interesting. You know, because so far, it's been the OG Bullet Club kind of just, um, you know, attacking guys. And maybe every now and then, like with the Bullet Club, they've, they've you know, the uh, you know the, the elite, I suppose you want to call them. Yeah, Bullet Club elite. They've kind of come in and, and, you know, done some stuff. But really, no one has stood up for any of their stable mates or anything so far. But almost all of LIJ that's on the tour came out, which I was like, oh. Maybe they're, like, teasing something down the road, potentially, between the firing squad and LIJ. Yeah. That's what it seems like. Well, Naito still has to face uh, Tamatanga. Oh, that's the next That's the next night. So yeah. While we we're recording, that hasn't happened yet, but what, that's Wednesday night? I believe Thursday? so. Well, Thursday, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Thursday, still, they'll be back with B-block so action. That played into the storyline, because we're getting that match very shortly. Um, we already got Tama and, and Sonata, right? I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yes, yeah, not a beat him. Yeah, too. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, with evil, he's a guy, uh, you know, just kind of going back where he's gonna um, probably do well points wise. But mm-hmm. as far as like, as far as the being in the A block and and the, being in a block where people are like it's been down, he's one of the specific reasons that it has been down. There's been nothing stand out, and you know, you, if you want in a company that is this stacked with this many guys, good is not good enough. I'm sorry. It's just not. He could be a standout 
in an indie promotion or you know in in some other league right but in new japan because the the working level is so high and he is a good worker don't get me wrong but good is not good enough you have to be great if you want to be one of the greats in this company right we're talking about a company if you want to you know take your spot in the top four guys you you gotta elevate your game dude you want to be in the top 10 you got to be an all, almost an all, right now. Like you have to be an almost all time great worker just to crack the top 10. Yeah. Just to be considered. And this is your opportunity. I, and don't get me wrong. Like you've said it before. He's working with guys that maybe aren't the best, but like that's that doesn't hold back a Hiroshi Tanahashi. It's not holding back Jay White. So why is it for evil? I don't know. Something's And not- he's a guy that we've accused of being lazy in the past, too. Mm-hmm. Is he not? Yeah. There are times where when the occasion, I've said this time and time again on the podcast, when the occasion's right, he will rise to the occasion. And that's all well and good. But there are times when he's lazy. He relies on like that he baseball, does his match. the chair spot thing with the baseball chair spot he does. He does his match. And that's yeah. what he's been doing this whole tournament. He does his match. I did kind of think that the Fale match was kind of interesting. But I thought the Makabe match was by the numbers. I thought the Yoshihashi match was by the numbers. I thought the Elgin match was by the numbers, except for there was some interesting arm work. And, mm. and Elgin working super hard, and then they had a hot finish. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Evil's not really doing it for me, man. Yeah, same here, man. So, I expect him to get passed, by, by the way, by Tanahashi and Jay White in, in the coming, you know, weeks. You expect him to beat them? No, passed. Oh, in the, in, in, point. in the points, yeah. Gotcha. Hmm. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, last year he ended up with 12 points, so. Yeah, and he was in a tougher block, too. Yeah. So, I could be wrong, but I just, there's a lot of guys who are down right now that need wins, and he's some of the guys they're facing. Mm-hmm. I expect him to take some pinfall losses. Hmm. All right, so next up, Big Mike, Michael Elgin. He has four points, two wins, two losses. On night five, he took on Switchblade Jay White. Night seven, he took on uh, the headhunter Yoshihashi. So we already talked about the Jay White match. Big recommendation. Um, That match with Yoshihashi... Was, was the, good. It was very, very good. And it was the match of the... What night was that? Night 7. It was the best match on night 7. Best match And it night was seven. the opening tournament match that night. He had an opener with Hangman Page that was the best match of the night. And then now he's had an uh, opener with Yoshihashi that was match of the night as well. Um, a lot of people liked the Evil match, which I thought was the lowest of his matches. And then, yeah. And then the Jay White match. Uh, Michael Elgin... I think that you and I the other day we were talking. And I know I've said a few guys are doing well in the tournament, like uh, you know, like Tanahashi and Jay White. But when it comes to bell to bell action, right now, I think that for sure the the performer of the tournament four matches in is Michael Elgin. Yeah, I mean this guy has been having he's on fire solid matches for the A block. I yeah, say. for A block. Yeah, like uh, he's been great. That Yoshihashi match. They got me, bro. How many times while we were watching it, did I say, this is going to be it? This is going to be it? Yeah. This is going to be it? Yeah. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and, you know, I criticized him last week because of how many finishers he does. The multiple power bombs he does. I still stand by that. Like, but. And you had a, a very interesting comparison. You compared uh, Michael Elgin to Dolph Ziggler. Uh, oh, I said that while we were watching the other Yeah. One. Both these guys, they have these, like, big signature moves that should be finishers but they can't finish guys with them 
Yeah, I was critical of the Yoshihashi match. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah. I was really blown away at how good that match was. And, you know, we always talk about, you know, when Yoshihashi steps up and has great matches, and this was one of them. Um, so take nothing away from Yoshihashi. Like, the, the guy's doing good. But Yoshihashi is at the bottom of the block. Yoshihashi had zero wins coming into this match. And Michael Elgin hit him with all of his big signature or finisher moves mm-hmm. pretty much. All of them. And he couldn't pin the dude. Now, there's some people that probably watch a match like this and think like, oh, well, it shows you how hungry and how determined Yoshihashi is and that he's not quitting. But I think that that is backwards thinking. I don't think it's it's actual good psychology because what it shows to me is Elgin, a guy who I think should be in title contention. That's how good he is. Yeah. Can't put away Yoshihashi. And it wasn't even like a schoolboy or a roll-up. We well, got pink. Clean. He beat him with clean. karma. Yeah, he pinned him clean. Yeah, Yoshihashi pinned him free. Yeah, with his finish. Yeah, the karma. And he was getting ready to go for the freaking um, uh, burning hammer. For the burning hammer. <laughs> and and Yoshihashi probably would have lost if that hit, but he flipped out of it and you know did his thing. But uh, that's what I'm saying. It's like, okay, if that's your ultimate finisher. You have to pull it out for Yoshihashi. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. I remember, you know, we we don't talk a lot a lot about WWE, but just for comparison's sake, I remember being and you were there too. Do you remember that Raw in 2013, the first Raw of the year where they did John Cena and uh and and uh Dolph Ziggler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember watching it and watching this dude Dolph Ziggler hit him with every finisher he has you know like literally the super kick the sleeper hold the zigzag famous or famous or uh freaking um everything you know what i mean like yeah. literally everything that he does and john cena kicked out of all of it hit him with one aa and it was freaking over <laughs> and i was like this guy is so athletic and so cool and he's probably thinking all the stuff he's doing is makes it a great match but he just got buried like it made him look weak yeah and to me when you're wrestling Yoshihashi, there's a way you can have a... Kenny Omega's had good matches with him and not had to, like, waste all of his signature moves on Yoshihashi. You're right. You know what I mean? And so, again, this goes back to, like, I think that Michael Elgin is the performer of the tournament in A Block so far. But, man, like, they got to do something. Like, I think that's ridiculous that Michael Elgin is hitting this dude with everything he's got. Yeah, I saw a meme on Twitter where somebody put, like, the crying Jordan face on Michael Elgin's face in the matchup screen of Yoshihashi. It's like when they make you lose to the guy that's 0-3 in the block. <laughs> I don't have a problem with him losing. It's G1. That's not the problem. Yeah. I don't think, I think, but my problem is, and, it, like, I don't even have a problem with him getting hit with the finisher and losing clean. That's great. Like, that, New Japan does stuff like that. My problem is that he hit him with everything he had. He literally had to go to the limit with Yoshihashi. And sure, there's some people who are like, well, that tells a great story. It's like, yeah, I guess. But like Elgin's doing this in every – if it was a one-time – didn't I say this? If it was a one-time occurrence, mm-hmm. that's then it makes it special. But he does this in every – it's every single match. Mm-hmm. It's every single match with Michael Elgin. And I think for his body type and his style of wrestling, he might be the most talented guy. You know, say what you want about his personal life. He might be the most talented guy in his style of, you know, big big man wrestling. But they got to do something here because I'm, yeah. st- I'm not buying it, bro. I'm yeah. sorry. Hot yeah. take. You would think a guy with his skill set would be, you know, Dominating. wrecking dudes. Yeah. He should be like a Dr. Death Steve Williams. He should be like a, a Stan Hansen or a Brody or a Vader. You know what I mean? But he's not. 
He's not. I, I wonder what what why that is. It's that indie mindset of wrestling, I think. And mm. there's people who'll be like, "Well, you're Mark, so you don't know anything." It's like, okay, you're you're right. We really don't. I'm not in there like in wrestling school, learning psychology, and taking pumps. But I know that like Brody would never do this crap. Right. Sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Doctor Death never would do this crap. Stan Hansen wouldn't do this. And that's the kind of monster like Gaijin that this guy should be. He's that good. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. But I think some of that, too, has to do with, like, just how he's booked in general. I don't think so, because they don't they don't have agents calling their matches. Right. They say, hey, go out there. Here's your time. This is what this is who's going over. And then, you know, it's like we talked about last week. What's your finish, kid? I'm going to hit you with four freaking <laughs> power bombs. I'm going to hit you with a, a splash mountain bomb, a uh, buckle bomb, an elgin bomb. How about Yoshihashi almost botching the uh, the splash mountain off the top when he had a reverse Oh, hit? my gosh, yes. And he almost died. He was like seconds away from landing on his head, yeah. And hats off to Rocky Romero, who, who actually did a great job covering. And he's like, hey, he didn't get all of it, but it was enough. Enough to, to flip elgin over, yeah, yeah. We talked about it last week. Rocky Romero's growing on me, man. He's getting very, very, very good on the mic he's always been a good talker but as a commentator he's getting very good yeah he's gonna yeah to where I'm like Don Callis is like you can't replace Don Callis but he's a good substitute for Don Callis Mm -hmm. so and again I will say this though Michael Elgin big big recommendation for the page match big recommendation for the white match big recommendation for the Yoshihashi match slight recommendation for the evil match this guy's doing really well yeah man check out all the Elgin stuff I'm wondering if I'm wondering if he's gonna be there towards the end or not I don't know yeah we'll see I feel like taking the loss of Yoshihashi will either A reinvigorate him and re-motivate him or B like put him in a slump yep yeah hard to tell we'll see so somebody that's tied with Elgin with four points is Togi Makabe. Two wins, two losses. On night five, he took on Evil. On night seven, he took on Kazuchika Okada. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a lot to say here about Makabe. I think we have kind of discussed in the, you know, that he's on the downside of his career. Mm-hmm. He is a guy who, given the right circumstance and the right opponent, he can still go. But he's never he never was the greatest wrestler in the world, even in his prime, honestly. But he plays a role, and I think he's playing a great role here. I think four points is exactly where he should be. Yeah, and um, that main, we kind of talked about the evil match already. Um, so he had a main event with Okada on night seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it was good. It was kind of a disappointing main event for me. It just never hit that next level. It never did. Um, but the crowd was heavily invested into it because we talk all the time about how popular Makabe is in Japan. Well, out, one outside, of the biggest stars they have. Yeah, outside of you know, outside of wrestling. So the, the fans were heavily behind Makabe, and they really wanted Makabe to come back and rally. But, yeah, the match, it just it never hit that next gear. And Okada was so dominant for majority of the match. I mean, Makabe did get his, his spots in, but... Makabe gave him a little bit of trouble. And yeah. I think I said earlier that there was a time where he's been one of the guys that, that has given... Okada issues in the past before before Okada like cemented his reign as like the ace you know Makabe was one of those top guys from that same generation as like say Tanahashi you know former G1 winner former IWGP champion he's given Okada issues in the past when they've wrestled but I think overall Okada usually gets the better of him yeah um they had a really good match in the G1 or in the uh New Japan Cup finals I don't know three or four years back but that this is not that same Makabe yeah. any longer. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, man. That. But you know what? I don't have anything too negative to say about him because give, I do give Makabe a little bit of a pass. It's like, hey, you know what? Look, he's not overperforming, but he's not really underperforming. Right. He's, I mean, he's about the same level as Evil right yeah. now in my book. Yeah. So honestly, if you're a cherry picker, I would pass every match. Uh, he's been yeah. In, except for the Yoshihashi match. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting, but yeah, this evil match and the Okada match. Yeah, if you're not if you're not trying to watch the whole thing, uh, those are definitely skippable. And I mean, hmm. he beat Suzuki, but since then, dropped one to Evil. Dropped yeah, one to I, I feel like Makabe is another guy that could go into a slump now, um, going forward in this tournament. He'll be right in the middle at the end. Yeah, that's. I mean, he he usually averages about eight points, um, like the last you know four or five G one. So four wins, four lo- or how many match they wrestle five. Yeah. So so four wins, five losses. Yeah. That that's probably what we'll see out of him this year again, most right. likely somewhere around there. Um, another guy that has four points in the A block is Minoru Suzuki. So two wins, two losses. Night five, he took on Yoshihashi, and night seven, he took on Switchblade Jay White. Uh, so we kind of talked about the Jay White match, but we didn't mention the Yoshihashi match. Um, so yeah, night five, he took on Yoshihashi, and honestly, I felt like this was another kind of one of those matches where um, I didn't think Yoshihashi really stood a chance, and like Suzuki dominated him majority of the match. Yeah, I would agree. Um, the funny thing is Yoshihashi wrestled like he really didn't know. <laughs> but I don't know, you know, I've never really seen too much character work out of Yoshihashi. Mm-hmm. He comes in and he does his match no matter who it's with. That is one of the drawbacks, one of the criticisms I have. Like, you know, Yoshihashi should be a guy who's going in there like literally just like everyone else on the roster. <laughs> Fearful, hesitant, scared. Nah, I mean, he's going in there. He's having his match, but he got killed. Suzuki beat the crap out of him. Right. I mean, Suzuki's only had one really great match in the tournament so far with Tanahashi. That's the big recommendation. But after a two-loss, you know, two back-to-back losses, he's rebounded and he's back at four points. Right. And now this this Yoshihashi match wasn't, you know, great or anything, but... It always brings me great joy to see Suzuki torture and punish people. Me too. Especially I'm right there with your guys brother. like Yoshihashi. And that's exactly what he did. That is what he did. I mean, he struck he the... Strike oh, them. my God. At the end of the match, when he, start, when he started doing the freaking uh, palm strike sequence, yeah. it was one of the most vicious palm strike sequences I've ever seen out of Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. I mean, and that ugly face of Yoshihashi, that expressionless, <laughs> ugly face, you can yeah. put new costume on him, give him a paint job, but man, he still has that, that yeah. he's got the worst facials in wrestling, and man... He was getting killed. I was like, yo, they need to stop. I thought we were about to get a ref, ref stoppage. Yeah, yeah. That's how bad he was like beating him up. I was like, and Minoru was loving it. He was like, ha ha. <laughs> you know, Suzuki already said the previous night. He's like, Yoshihashi is like a waste of space in this tournament. Naito said the same thing. Yeah. This is his third year. And I mean, he's having he's, good performances. But yeah, as far as like kayfabe wise he's getting progressively worse yeah he's getting killed yeah he's getting killed kayfabe wise like the booking um and it's not endearing him to the fans the way that like a hanma run did right they they were trying to get sympathy for him in this match but yeah there was no simpy it fell kind of flat and zuki got this man where did simpy come from uh scott steiner oh yeah (laughs) it's promo (laughs) 
I forgot when Trying it was from. Yeah. That, man. <laughs> I don't need your sympathy. I don't need your sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, Suzuki got this man. And I'm, I'm, you know, Suzuki's not having the greatest tournament so far, mm. but he's rebounded. And the deal with Suzuki, he's never had, he's never come close to winning one of these things so far. But he's there to torture these dudes, and that's what I like. And I'm excited. I also, I thought it was hilarious that after he won the match, he still attacked young boys. Yeah. <laughs> Usually when he loses, he attacks young boys, but he won and he still felt like hurting people, so he attacked. How about how, about how much you marked out when he finally gotched uh, Jay White? Oh, yes. I popped because I'm sorry. Like, Jay White's cool, but he should not be beating Minoru, Minoru Suzuki. So once he got him that gotch, I was like, yes. <laughs> I agree, man. Yeah, man. So, yeah, Suzuki, um, I'm excited. He's got, you know, six more guys to torture. Or, no, five more guys to torture. Yeah. So. And I think he's definitely going to be surging. I mean, he gave uh, Jay White his first loss. That's a pretty big deal. So I can this see. This is the tournament where if he's going to surge, the field's open for him. Yeah. The only the only guys he has left that really, I mean, Okada is the big, big star. Mm-hmm. The rest of the guys, you know, Elgin, Evil, Fale. I mean, I could see him beating all of them, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So next up, another guy that's tied with four points. Uh, the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. Wow. Two wins, two losses. Um, he took on Hangman Page on night five. And then on night seven, he took on Togi Makabe. So, let's talk about Okada. Um, you know, I don't know what's going on, man. <laughs> Dude, I... I <laughs> He's rebounded from those two losses, and it's good to see him back in the win column. But, um... You know, these matches haven't been that great. Was the Hangman Page... I mean, I was really excited about the Hangman Page match, and if I recall, I'm trying to keep everything in order. I don't mm-hmm. remember it being standout. I mean, it wasn't a blow-away match, but it was still on the... It was still a four-star level match. It's definitely... I would say it's worth a watch. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm still trying to basically remember... I mean, there's a lot of wrestling to mm-hmm. keep, in, keep in, you know, tack, basically. But um, Yeah, I mean, I think it was definitely worth a watch, and I mean... Um, we'll get to Hangman in a second, but I mean, he's one of these guys that he knows that this is a chance to shine, and he's been performing hard in every match. I mean, he pulled out that crazy uh, uh, suicide dive elbow thing in this oh, match. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did the, um, it was a suicide dive corkscrew elbow corkscrew elbow drop to the outside, which I, I've never really seen anyone do. Before. Neither have I. I didn't even know what was happening. I was like... I thought it was really cool. Yeah. It reminded me of when... Uh, when Bret Hart, SummerSlam 92, and he did that corkscrew to the outside and Davy Boy missed him and he had to like basically hook Davy Boy so he avoided killing himself. <laughs> yeah. Because Davy Boy was like so hopped up. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed the Okada match. Went uh, 17 minutes, 30 seconds. Um, it's probably one of Okada's like better performances of this tournament, but... Bro, we, I just got to say it, dude. Like, I don't really understand what is going on with Okada right now. Not just from a kayfabe s- stance, but, like, he's not having great performances. At least not at Okada level. Not in this tournament so far. In four matches, you yeah, you could say the white match is a recommend, a recommend and the page match is a recommend, but not, neither of them were great matches. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not to... Okada's the best worker in the world. Now, there are people who are saying maybe it has to do with the redemption storyline. You know what I mean? Right. It's going to be part of the whole depressed thing. Like he's still trying to get back to, you know, Rainmaker level. I mean, we know what he's capable of and we mm-hmm. know what he can do. I But there's the part of me that's like, I don't really want to see Okada not having, you know, blow away matches. Sorry. Yeah. But I still thought this was a, a good main event. I feel like um, Okada did a good job of elevating Hangman Page and making Page feel um, like on his level. Okay. And um, this was um, Okada's first win uh, in singles match in over 40 days. So he's kind of shaking off. That's where it kind of felt like you could see like the the glimmer of like sunshine behind the cloud you know the silver lining basically yeah and maybe the clouds are starting to dissipate um after the uh match that he had with uh makabe he cut a promo and he kind of mentioned like the rainmaker returning yeah so maybe that's a key or a clue to the idea that he will be you know going back to that gimmick hopefully yeah well we did get some questions about okada from our friend of the podcast jordan fox He's the host of the Indie Wrestling Podcast on the Chair Shot uh, Network. He's also training to become a wrestler. So that guy's just, you know, didn't hustling. He, didn't he just get a job, like, uh, com- uh, commentating, commentating for a promotion? Yeah. Yeah, he's working for, like, three promotions Yeah, or commentating, training, running his own podcasts. This yeah. guy's hustling, man. And, yo, like, if you guys... You know, get it. If you go, get, give him a follow online. You can find him at Fox the Podcaster. But he's got really inspirational, uh, you know, stuff online about his personal life, the struggles he's gone through, and you know, Jordan's an inspiration to anybody who wants to be involved in this industry or who is a fan of this industry. Honestly, yeah, man, he's a great dude. Um, so he's he's asking kind of the same stuff we are. He's like, what are they gonna do with Okada? Is his character like, man, I'm just chilling because I don't have the pressure of carrying that title anymore. And do you think the Rainmaker will come back? Um, so you kind of mentioned that already in that post-match promo. He mentioned that um, we'll see the Rainmaker again. But I don't know if he's referencing that aspect of his character. Mm-hmm. Or if he's still just identifying himself as the Rainmaker. You know right, what I mean? Like, right. He might be in a delusional state where, like, I'm fine. Yeah. The Bullet Club is, is fine. The oh, Rainmaker is fine, and it, he's clearly not. So I don't know that it's necessarily... Um, it could be. It could be him saying like, "Hey, I know, you know, I know I'm screwing up, but I'm gonna get my life in order." Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't know really. I don't and know what they're doing. As far as kayfabe wise, I don't think the character is just chilling. It's kind of what we talked on last week. He went through this kind of depression um, after losing the title, and it just completely altered his mind. And you know, he's been losing. Not even, not only did he lose a title, you know, he lost a saber at Rev Pro. He only draw had a draw with Suzuki. He lost the tag title match also with Saber and Suzuki. Um, I mean, he's been on a, on a slump, and it's yeah. it's been affecting him. You so. know, I had a discussion with somebody. Uh, I, I was a uh, on the um, uh, the SMC podcast, which is no longer with us, but we still support the Outsiders Edge, which is also one of the shows on our network. But I had a discussion with Rance Morris and uh, Caleb Baldwin on SMC earlier in the year during Wrestle Kingdom. We had a discussion about, you know, Naito and Okada. And I was like, you know, the deal is, you know, if Naito didn't win at Wrestle Kingdom, there's a chase. 
that you can still book, you know, there's a, a, a story there. But with Okada, at the time I was like, man, it's really hard for me to see him lose the belt because where do you go from there? If he's still the same character right. without the belt, what is he? And I think that we're finding that out now. It's like without the belt, what is he? And I think that in a sense they do they do have to do something transitional. He can't just keep being the rainmaker, right? Especially since he's been that character for a while now, right? Two three like, years. So, yeah. and, and I'm not, and even further back than that. But he was almost like a arrogant, uh, like an arrogant, cocky mm. young kid when it started. But him being this bona fide solidified star you know who's at the top of his game you know and like that's been the last two or three years for him to remain that guy but not have the belt would almost seem boring and so you do have to do something to right, transition yeah. and to grow his character and we've talked about how new japan does better at growing characters and doing long-term storytelling than anybody else but I still don't get what's going on. I don't get the balloons. I, <laughs> I do think it to me, and maybe it's just my Western mindset. It just looks like a breakdown. Yeah, well, it, it is a breakdown. But other people see it. There are people who are like, well, maybe he's just having fun and taking the pressure off. You know what I mean? Yeah. To me, it's like no, it's a facade. Yeah. To me, it's a facade. It's a broken man who has not come to grips. He he's not dealt with you know the problems that that are in front of him. Like he's uh, disassociating almost it's kind of crazy yeah so um and even it's funny like the the, the few times ghetto has been with him ghetto kind of, it's kind of looking at him like you know like yeah and they asked rocky and rocky's like i i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious so when okada like hit uh rocky with the head with a balloon <laughs> he ran up and he just freaking bonked him right in the head oh my god i, uh, I popped for that but rocky's like uh maybe he didn't recognize me with this uh hat on <laughs> I'm I'm still a little like I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt because it's New Japan and I will do that, but I do feel like, in my opinion, this is just gonna lead to something that maybe will be better down the road. Hopefully, yeah. But I said that about Naito all year, and I don't know. Um, <laughs> but once he transitions into whatever he's gonna transition to, I feel like this will be one of those weird like forgotten periods of his career where it's like, remember that G1 where Okada was losing his crap and was doing, was carrying balloons around? What was that? Yeah. And everyone's gonna be like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I, maybe it's a way for them to just transition him, but I don't know what's going on. I literally don't understand it. I hope Gato does. I hope Okada does, but I don't get it personally. Yeah. I've tried to give the best like analysis I can to it. And I kind of understand that there's this is sort of necessary, but the way they're doing it, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Guess we'll see what happens in the next few nights of this tournament. Hey, I I don't think Okada's at the top of, in terms of performance, he's nowhere near the top. Yeah. Is that crazy? It kind of is. In a weak block like this? Yeah. Okada's like not even, hardly in the middle, bro. I hope he steps up. Yeah. Well, there's still plenty of time, so... I mean, there's only five more matches, man. We're yeah. almost halfway through. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of Hangman Page, this next guy who's towards the bottom of A block. He has one win, uh, three losses, two points. So, night five, we mentioned he took on Okada. And night seven, um, he took on Tanahashi in the handsome battle. Talked about both of those matches. I think, yeah, we're getting to the point now in the A block where I think we've talked about all the matches that have occurred already. Mm -hmm. However, so we don't have to, like, re-review them. But, of course, I'm going to give a, uh, a recommendation to the Tanahashi match. I I enjoyed that much more than the Okada match, personally. Am uh, I wrong there? 
I I kind of like the Okada match a little bit better. Okay. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think both matches are worth a watch. Uh, also, uh, Hangman and Elgin um, from the previous night it's worth a watch. I just meant out of the last two. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That I would give a a, a, rec- a, a really good recommendation to the Elgin match. And uh, even though um, I think that's been his match, uh, the best page match of the tournament. Yeah, and even though Hangman only has two points. To me, he's definitely one of the standout guys in the A block. Oh, uh, I agree. I agree. Uh, he's been has having great matches. Here's a guy. He's overachieving. He knows what a big opportunity this is, and he's taking every single chance he can get to like become a star. We were in the group thread, and I think I even made this joke last week about you only got one shot, do not miss your chance. Yeah, yeah. But like I said that in the group thread, I was like, El- like Paige knows the opportunity that's in front of him and he's not letting it pass by um you know he might be going under but if he's going under brother he's, he's going, going out over yeah he's going over and he bro the crowd is turning Turn. on his side yes hangman pagey yeah hangman pagey <laughs> yeah bro, bro they're, dude, they're he was, in on him dude especially the corgan hall crowd and corgan that's like the smart mark crowd in Japan. like He's getting cheered against Okada and Tanahashi. Yeah, but if those Corkin guys cheer you, like they kind of set the pace for all the other crowds. So, yeah, he's doing some good stuff, and he's getting over. Especially, you know, there are some people saying, oh, he kind of was given, like, Cody's spot because Cody kind of make it. Well, he's taking advantage of that, and Bro, I can I, see I Hank... Would, I would say, like... If Cody was in this tournament versus Paige, I don't know that we get these kind of performances oh, out of Cody. Yeah, and, and, and I'm a, and I'm a Cody supporter. I've, I, anyone who's listened to the podcast will know that. Um, but man, Paige is a guy that fits in 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 New Japan, and I don't think a, two, a year or two I would have ever imagined myself saying that. Uh, same here. So. I mean, he's he. I'm so impressed. Yeah, he's on just taking things to a next level, and he's a guy that I want to see more of in New Japan and see him get more um, chances. Yeah. Yes. 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 Big recommendation to Paige. I would say this: out of every, um, you could probably make an argument for Suzuki over him, or I'm sorry, uh, Tanahashi over him. But in my opinion, night in and night out, the guys who are performing at the highest level. Are Elgin in, in this blocker? Elgin and Hang Page. Page, yeah. And I'd say Elgin's at the top. Page is right there. Uh, Page, in a way, sort of reminds me of the run that like uh, Nagata had last year, where Nagata was putting everybody over. And remember, I said Page was going to come in and put guys over. Did I not? Yeah, you did. And you were like, he's going to get, like, you know, what was it, like four points? No, I thought he was going to get like eight. Okay, yeah, and I said, you know, I could see that, but I think he's there. He's a utility guy. He's there to put guys over, and he knows it, but he's getting over while he's doing it. And, mm-hmm. and Nagata put almost everybody over last year. And he, you know, granted, it's a totally different kind of story. This is an upstart versus a veteran, but still, man, he's one of the he's one of these standout guys in either block. Yeah, he Paige, is. Paige is having a heck of a year, and I am so excited. So to see every, bro, I was excited for the Okada match. I was excited for the Tanahashi match. I'm excited for him and Suzuki. That's gonna be fire. Like Paige is doing. Yeah, really well. dude, he's doing good stuff, and I feel like, you know, he's Tanahashi and Okada are two of the toughest guys he's had to face so far. So um, the rest of the block, he actually has you know legitimate chances of getting some more points. And they and they mentioned on uh, commentary, you know, the we had that question last week about yeah. uh, Masahiro Chono supporting him. They've been like talking about that on the commentary so yeah. 
you know, I feel like like he must be liked by the New Japan office, or at least that's what the reports are saying, because mm-hmm. they're giving him a shot, and he's making the most of it, man. Yeah. Um, also tied with him at two points is Bad Luck Fale, night five against Tanahashi, night seven against Evil. This dumpster fire. Dude, oh my just God. DQ after DQ. Um... I'll say this. I've been okay. So I was listening to Observer the last couple days because I don't usually listen to Observer, but they're covering G One, so they they got my attention. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you know, Dave's been kind of praising Fale as a big man wrestler and saying, you know, with him dropping the weight, um, you know, that he's moving better and he's performing better. But I'll tell you what, I can't notice a difference. I was listening to Observer this morning. I don't think he was putting over. This, Fale. Well, I was listening to it from over the weekend. Okay. So that's. That's what I heard him say. Yeah. He was saying, you know, he's performing better. He really praised the Tanahashi match a lot, yeah. which I think is is fair. But I'll, I think there are people out there that have said, like, you know, this guy dropped the weight. He's moving better. He's got more longevity in the ring. And I'll tell you the, the truth. I don't see a difference. Honestly, I don't see a difference either. He lost the weight. He's moving the exact same. He hasn't been performing hard. He hasn't been having great matches. And like I mentioned earlier, like Lanza was saying, Fale is a, a bad wrestler who has good matches with good wrestlers. Yeah, you you mentioned that to me when you said it. I was like, well, let's talk about who he has good matches with. Okada. Um, and, he has, Tan- and Tanahashi he has better matches with Tanahashi, but other guys that he's wrestled that are great wrestlers, not so much. The one that I mentioned that you said that they'd mentioned on a uh, Voices of Wrestling was the uh, New Japan Cup Finals against uh, Nakamura, and that match was only ended up being good because he accidentally smashed Nakamura's face. Yeah, if he hadn't broke his nose and that blood was everywhere, then that match probably would that that made the match better than it had any right to be. But other than that, like, um, Fale, I, I mean, I've seen Fale have matches with, like, guys like Nagata and Makabe that I thought were, were good or passable. But overall, like, Fale, he's a utility big man, but he's not, like, even a great big man, man. Yeah, he's not. You know, and there's people, and like there are people out there who criticize that, and they're like, "Oh, well, you know, he doesn't have to be a great wrestler. You don't get wrestling because he's a great big man." It's like, well, he's not as good as Bam Bam Bigelow. He's not as good as Vader. He's not as good as like Yokozuna. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's not. Heck, he's not even on like Typhoon level. <laughs> he's not as good as like the Big Boss Man. Yeah. You know, Ray Ray uh, what Ray, Ray C- Trailer Ray Trailer. Um, I could probably name a bunch of other, like, big guys that, like, you know, that I could think of, you know, Terry Gordy and stuff like that, where I'm like, he's not as good as them. Um, I understand, like, you know, he had, like, it's his role and he's a big guy, but, like, I'm sorry, man, like, he's not compelling. Yeah. And then, to take it further, let's get into this. Three of his four matches ended in DQ. Are you freaking kidding me? Okay. Yeah, man. This whole... Uh, Are you kidding me? <laughs> Bro, I'm getting sick of it. I, I know last week when when I mentioned, you know, the run-ins and, mm-hmm. you know, we, we I was like, hey, but I didn't think it was going to be this excessive. I did not expect this. This yeah. is not what I thought we were going to Yeah, so we got a question from uh, Legible Till. He said, what are your thoughts on all the BCOG interference finishes and Jay White's constant screwiness? And like I mentioned earlier... I feel like Jay White is different than the BCOG because Jay White's cheating to win. The BCOGs are just throwing away points. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if um, if everything was as egregious as it had been with the Okada and the Tanahashi match, 
and it continued on that level for the rest of the tournament, I would be more down on Jay White. <laughs> yes, he is constantly like there. Are, he is like having screwy finishes, but in the context of his character, it kind of does make sense. Yeah, and I'm not trying to like do one of those things where it's like I'm trying to make up for New Japan because trust me, like if he was going out there and giving Kenny Omega, uh, you know, performances, I'd much rather prefer that but it's not like i'm like uh you know i'm not sitting here thinking like this is ruining the tournament with what's going on with jay white it really isn't and it is forwarding the storyline and i'm interested i am interested as a fan to see where it goes going forward with the bullet club crap with the firing squad yeah this is just unfair what are they doing it's never happened before in 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 the g1 and it's like, I think that you had mentioned, you had said that this wouldn't be as bad if it wasn't during the G1. Yeah, they're doing, it's good storytelling at the wrong time. If this was happening, like, after the G1, before the G1, at any other point of the year, this, you know, bull club interference and this whole rivalry they're building. They still get criticism. It'll still get criticism, but it wouldn't be as bad. Yeah. But this is the G1. Like, people are here to see great matches with clean finishes the thing is it's like it just literally tells you that these guys don't care at all and i understand you know the point of wrestling is to get heel is to get heat if you're a heel that's your job and i get that and i'm not against that but man when you just tell me like when when i'm watching this it just becomes nwo crap it just becomes like late 2000s terrible wcw crap and i'm like why am I watching this? And that's yeah. that's the territory they're heading into. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't even want to watch a folly match, or or a Tama match. We'll get to we'll him get later. To that, but yeah, like, bro. At least at least with the Tama matches, yeah, they've been DQs. But like, folly three of the three of four. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on. I mean, this is a guy that usually gets you know 12, 14 points in this tournament, and here he is at the bottom of this block, only two points. It's like. What are we doing here? I literally don't know. I literally don't know. And, you know, earlier in the year with, like, the Bullet Club Civil War when it was, like, Cody versus uh, Kenny, there are many times where I was, like, we're, the intrigue was, like, where is it going, you know? And we didn't know. And then when this whole, like, storyline started and it was heading into the G1, we still didn't know. And that, that allure was there. And I was, like, this is more exciting than before. They've, they've pretty much ruined to me as a fan they've ruined the whole entire prospect of it because Fale's coming off like a loser yeah <laughs> like you're telling me that the biggest guy in the block can't get clean wins on his own that they they literally are just gonna throw every match away it means that especially I mean, we've already seen in previous g1s that he can do this on his own bro his matches don't matter this is the equivalent of if he'd gotten injured and then had to forfeit his matches and everyone just got passes. Everyone who's fighting him is just getting a pass. Pretty much, yeah. So there's no point in him being <laughs> in the tournament. Well, that's a question that we got on Reddit from uh, Nick Bass. He said, should the firing squad be removed from the competition? Man, you know, I'm almost at the point where, like earlier in the year, I had kind of said that I would rather them add two blocks to the G1 and do four more guys and maybe have like uh, like five guys or, or how many guys was I was I think it was going to be like five in each block I think so yeah how many competitors are already in the tournament there's 20 right now 
So, no, I was thinking of them doing uh, six guys in each block. So, 24 guys, mm-hmm. right? Four times six, 24? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was thinking at the time, you know, you get more saved matches that you can, you know, you can save more of your matches. You get more nights of competition. You get less strain on the guys during the G1 tour. And you get extra nights to win, win, win for everybody. And you open up more opportunity for more competitors. And that was my feeling before, which I don't think that's a bad way to go. I feel like the way that the tournament is laid out right now, I'm like, you know, mm. we've seen this a lot. Maybe it's time to change it. And for people who are like, oh, they can't do that. It's like they change it all the time. They've, yeah. they've added competitors. They've had different formats. It, it wouldn't be the first time and it probably won't be the last. But I'm at the point now with how watered down the tournament is. I'm like, they could just get rid of like half these guys and do like six guys in this block six guys in that block that's how the g1 and yeah you wouldn't get as many nights so maybe it wouldn't be as marketable maybe not as lucrative for new japan so mm-hmm. maybe it's not a great idea but from a pure in-ring standpoint half these guys don't even have to be here they're wasting space i don't know i wouldn't say take Fale and and tama out of it but i am gonna say like if this is the this is bad booking i'm sorry i don't agree with it uh maybe i'm in the minority or maybe i'm in the wrong now, I don't think you're on in the minority at all based on, you know, our fellow podcasters and just people on Twitter. A I, lot haven't, of, I haven't even heard any other podcasters talk about it really. Except, I mean, a lot of people are down on this disqualification. Yes, we get this is how the original Bullet Club was, and they're trying to tell a story of Tama turning things back, but... I thought it was cool the first night they did it. It kind of made sense because I was like, oh... You know, they're doing it because it's Hangman and they're forwarding that storyline because they're showing that they really don't care. They're going to send a message to the Bullet Club. But now I'm like, oh, they're going to do it to everybody. Oh, Fale's matches really don't matter this year. Uh, the, the only, like, one thing I will say is, like, it's screwed. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's probably screwed up everybody's pick'em brackets. Yeah. Literally. Dude, I haven't even checked my results in the last couple of days, but... I know for a fact that Fall A was a guy, I believe I gave him like 10 or 12 points. Well, that, historically, that's what you would give him. Right. So He's like this year's uh, Taguchi. Remember Taguchi didn't do so hot in the, the New Japan? Or uh, the G- Best of Super Juniors? Yeah. yeah. But this is, I mean, we don't have to spend too much more time on this, but I'm just like, I'm over it, bro. I'm over yeah, it. Man. I think it sucks. I don't want to see Fall. I already don't <laughs> like Fall A's matches to begin with, well, and now I really don't care. We got five more of them. I might like I don't I'm, I guess I'm gonna watch them because I have to, but I will say this: don't watch any of Fale's matches, man. If, if you're looking for a recommendation, just steer clear. There's nothing that you have to see here, unless you just want to see the the aftermath of these matches. You could just skip to the end. Yeah. The only one that was even starting to really be good was the uh, Tana Tanahashi match, and that sucked too. If you want to watch a good match between them, just go watch last year's G1 match because this is garbage. Yeah. Dumpster fire. <laughs> Uh, the last guy on this A block is uh, Yoshihashi, also a two points, one win, three losses. Night five, uh, we mentioned was Suzuki. Night seven was Michael Elgin. Um, already covered those matches. Anything else to add on Yoshihashi? Yeah, I'll say this. You know, the uh, the evil match from earlier in the tournament wasn't standout. The Suzuki match, he got killed. If you're a sadist or just you hate, uh, you love Minoru Suzuki or you hate Yoshihashi, that's probably a great match to watch. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the, the Elgin match and the... Um, the uh, Who else? He wrestled Elgin. Oh, and the Makabe match. Both of those matches are so good. This is a guy who's, like, kind of inconsistent right now where, like... 
Mm. Two of the matches are great, and then two of the matches are just eh, you yeah. know. Um, but he's only got two points, you know, at this point. Um, I was kind of surprised. Well, he kind of needed the win against Elgin. I was surprised the way he beat him so clean. Yeah. But that match was really, really good, criticisms aside. But, yeah, I mean, Yoshihashi's kind of a non-factor at this point. There's not much really to even can talk about. Yeah, and, I mean, he still has some tough guys left in the block. He still has to face Tanahashi and Okada. That's why I think uh, he's just going to be a spoiler at this point. Yeah. He's almost done already. Yeah. Like, he's almost a non-factor, so. You're right. He's almost mathematically eliminated from this thing, so. Yeah. So, any final thoughts on the A block? Um, a block, it's definitely um, the weaker block next stand next to B block I mean there's still some good matches to watch from that tournament um, the, the and the highlights the stars of the, the A block are you know Jay White Michael Elgin and Hangman Page and Tanahashi and Tanahashi those are the guys that are really giving you the quality of matches um, outside of that man it's kind of rough yeah I agree. I would say so far in the A block, the match that still stands out to me as being the best match is Suzuki and in Tanahashi. From, well, that was night from, one, from right? night one. Yeah. There's been some stuff that have, like, approached it, but that, to me, is the defining match of the A block so far. Yeah. yeah. Would you, uh, do you agree? Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, so let's get into this B block action, man. Yeah, man. So, B block. So, we're going to start off with the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, the best bout machine, Kenny Omega. He is the only undefeated guy in the block. He has in the tournament. In the tournament, yep. He has three wins, zero losses, six points on night uh, four. He took on uh, Goto, and on night um, six. six, he took on Tamatonga. So, you know, it's Kenny Omega. Um, I wouldn't expect any less from him. Um, he's put on two classics. You know, the, the Naito match, which was magic, and then this uh, this uh, Goto match, which we already know that they can work well together from past experiences, especially their uh, their G1 final from two years ago, um, which I, I really, really, really enjoyed the match, the, that main event match on night six between them. Or, I'm sorry, Night, night four. 4. Yes, yeah. I really loved that go-to match. And somebody who loved it even more than me was Dave Meltzer. He gave this match five stars. Um, I'll say this. This match is definitely worth a watch. Personally, I don't think it was five stars. Uh, I, mean, I do not think it's five stars. Yeah. No, I don't even think it's close to five stars. I think I was like four and a half on it. Right. Um, I think that's fair. I, I think I was probably like, honestly... With how good wrestling is nowadays and everything like that, I was kind of like leaning to four and a quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say it wasn't a fantastic match. It was fantastic. But I didn't even think it was the best match of the night. And in, in fact, there's been a lot of... We'll get to it. We'll talk about Ishii and Naito. But from the same night, I I came out and I said, I thought Ishii and Naito was better. And I'm not alone. There was a lot of people, a lot of people online that were saying the same thing. Well, it's a weird thing. Dave even said he feels like Omega and Goto could, that wasn't the best match they could have. So I'm like, so why did he give it five? (laughs) Bro, I just, I feel like it's real simple. It's like, you know, I know rating matches is subjective and we, you don't have to put too much stock into ratings, but bro, their match from the G1 finals is 
way better than this, has more significance, had more of a big fight feel. It was a better match all around, period. Yeah. I don't think it's that subjective in that sense. I think if you watch the two, almost anyone who's a fan will say, oh yeah, the G1 final is better. And that one got four and three quarters. So how could this be five stars? I don't think it had the I don't think it had enough to be anywhere close to that. I think it was a really, really, really good match. But I'm like, the only thing that I can think is like either A, like Dave's a mark. <laughs> B, um, he's losing it. Or C, the way he freaking messed up his scale this past year has changed the relative like ratings of stuff, and he's overrating stuff because he already because he overrated everything else. Yeah. Well, regar- that's my opinion. Yeah. Well, regardless, it was still a great match. It's, just, it's a must-watch match. Dude, when Goto threw the chair at Kenny Omega. Oh, when he was going for that the dive where he, he was going for the Rise of the Terminator. Yeah, that was really really cool. Well, he wasn't going for Rise of the Terminator. He was going for because Goto was in the crowd. He was going for the springboard. Oh, the springboard into, yeah, into yeah, the yeah. crowd. And the and the crowd booed the crap out of Goto. Goto yeah. Um, also, Okada or excuse me, Omega did a moonsault. From the railing. From the railing to Goto. In the crowd. Wiped out some young boys and Goto. I think it was smart that he had the young boys there. He was like, I'm not pulling that Ibushi crap. Yeah. Someone someone catch me. <laughs> like Narita, Imura, get over here. <laughs> yeah. So that was interesting. But uh, Omega's having a great tournament. Um, you want to Let's talk about him and, um, you know, him and uh, Tama because that's the match that a lot of people were waiting for. Uh, that's probably one of the matches with the most built-in hype after the G1 San Francisco mm-hmm. going into this tournament. And, you know, what were your thoughts, Jeremy? Because, I mean... Honestly, I was very disappointed with this match. Um, this was the semi-main event of Night 6. Honestly, I felt this was a time that Tamatonga really needed to step up and prove himself, especially in this whole storyline, to prove yeah. that he could be on Kenny Omega's level. And to me, that just fell flat. Yeah. Um, the match started where um, Tangaloa and Fale um, and Tam, they jump Omega at the bell. Then you got uh, Chase Owens and Hangman Page making the save. Uh, Omega hits the rise of the Terminator dive and kind of, they kind of like fight those guys off and the referee throws them all out. And then they start having the match and then next thing you know, um, Tangaloa's back out there and trips up Omega, uh, hits him with a chair. Um, and then um, Tonga went for the chair, and he was uh, he was going to do a Styles Clash on the chair, but Red Shoes kicked the chair away, and then Tonga hit him with the gun stun, and he got a DQ. Yeah, I mean the thing with this is we saw a similar match between them last year. I think the I liked the match from the previous year more because you know it kind of came from out of nowhere. It kind of. Like it was a novelty at the time. It was something new and fresh, and we got to see a different side of Tamatanga in that match. Whereas with this, it's a rehash, and and not even as good. It's it's a less good sequel when there was more hype going into it and higher expectations. And yeah. you know the opportunity for Tama to really do something, and I mean it, it didn't do crap. Um, plus with all the other stuff surrounding it, with all the DQ finishes, it, it really did bring the match down and. You know, Tama's been online, and we'll talk more about Tama, but, you know, he's he cut a promo um, at, after Night 7 where he was like, you know, all you internet nerds out there, this is about making money, and I'm making money. Right, and then he's, like, tweeted, like, F the G1. Yeah, but uh, here's, here's the thing. 
You know how you make money, dude? I understand getting heat, but like there's good heat and bad heat. And you're like virgin on bad heat because I don't even want to watch you. Yeah, man. He's got an X-Pac heat. I don't want to watch you wrestle, man. I'm sorry. Like, and this sucked. Yeah. Uh, there are some cool storytelling elements. I did pop when Tamatanga uh, started to uh, go for the uh, Styles Clash. I thought yeah. that was cool. And But overall, this wasn't a good match. And I don't think Tamatanga's had a good match the whole tournament. Yeah, man. He's been stinking it up. But real quick on the Styles Clash, we had a question from uh, Jimmy Spammer. He said, what are our thoughts on uh, Tama slash Kevin Kelly referencing AJ Styles and Tama going for the Styles Clash? I think that it plays into the storyline. I think we've seen guys from the Bullet Club like Kenny in the past go for the uh, the Styles Clash. And, um, you know, Kenny used it even as recently as the Okada match. Right. So, you know, that makes sense, especially since this is going to somewhat be for a battle for the leadership of the Bullet Club. Right. And AJ Styles has publicly came out and said that he agrees with the BCOG. Yeah, he was at the San Diego uh, Comic-Con and they asked him and he said he signed with the, with the firing squad. Yeah. So uh, that's interesting. But, you know, there's nothing here that was compelling to me. This I don't want to watch these guys wrestle again, honestly. If this is supposed to be some sort of opportunity for the, the Tonga guys to break out, it's doing nothing for me. Right. I mean, the only... They're coming off like jobbers. Exactly. I think I even mentioned that to you. I'm like, Tama Tonga looks weak coming off of this. Like, he's trying to, like, challenge... Kenny Omega for the leadership of the Bullet Club and like he's in nowhere like on that level to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I agree. The only good thing the Tongans have been doing in this tournament are the tag matches. I agree. And clearly, at some point, there's going to be God versus Young Bucks, and I could see God beating the Young Bucks and getting the tag titles. Yes. Um, but I cannot see a big uh match with Omega and Tama in singles. Preach. <laughs> no, you're right, man. Um, you know, we're at we're at a point where we're obviously we're getting a match between them at some point. Uh, I did kind of think like this was an opportunity for Tama to get a clean win over Kenny. Right. Um, and maybe lead to a title shot down well, just, the road. Just get a win in general. Even if he cheated to win. Right. That, well, I figured like, he would have to cheat to win. Right. And then you, you get set up the, the – he gets a, a title match – you set up, you know, maybe a destruction in Kobe or something like that, and you run Omega and Tama in the main event, and then Omega, you know, gets the win back. But after this, I can't see him main eventing a show with I'm just not Kenny. feeling it. Like, I'm just not feeling it. The match wasn't good. Um, you know, it, it just wasn't. You know, Tama's out there, like, shouting expletives, and he goes from a big spot to a slow, slow pace. You know, that's been a, a, a constant theme of his matches. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I feel like we've been holding out and waiting for him to step up. And I, he's not. He's yeah. just not. Um, I think maybe, you know, we need to come to the grips that maybe he's not at that level, period. I guess so. I mean, this was a semi-main event of this night, and it was the worst match on the card. Now, how about Kenny Omega came out afterwards and did a, a post-match interview? Did you see that? Post-match? Yes, where he said that uh, Tama was ruining his average star ratings. <laughs> what do you think about that? Because there's people who are kind of pissed about that. Uh, I think it just kind of plays into Kenny's... You know, they've been kind of included Dave Meltzer and like being the elite yeah. and the whole like psychology thing and like. I think it's kind of funny, like, but like, I, to me, yeah. it's a little too insider-ish. Like, yeah. I feel like it's fine, but I almost feel like that'd be better for like a 
being the elite type of spot than like to be on a backstage, a backstage promo, promo for yeah. New Japan being like oh my average star rating is down it's like why do you care about that you got two points like, right you know what I mean but it's what I mean like, yeah I think it was just Kenny just being funny I get it uh, but I also think like I don't know the old school fan of me is like that's stupid yeah that's that's like you know Bill Watts would be freaking out <laughs> like you know <laughs> Jim Cornette Jim Cornette would, oh yeah Jim Cornette I, I almost guarantee you someone's gonna say something Jim Cornette he's gonna freak out god damn Kenny Omega video game wrestling what's he doing back there you're freaking uh, star rating? Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, man, but... Bury the business! Expose the business! Uh, oh, my God, but yeah, so... Uh, but overall, Kenny, we're only three matches in, so we don't have as much on him, but I'm expecting Kenny to have a great tournament. Um, yeah, this he's been doing really well. I mean, two really, really good matches, and then that dud. Yeah. Uh, next up, his tag team partner... Kota Ibushi, the Golden Star, he has four points, two wins, and one loss. On night four, he took on the flamboyant Juice Robinson. On night six, he took on Toru Yanu. Um, what are your thoughts on Kota Ibushi? Um, yeah, so Kota Ibushi has been having a great, great tournament. I think last week we covered the, what, the uh, um, Zack Sabre match? Yeah. So then... Um, what he's had two more matches since then, so he wrestled uh, Juice Robinson and then Yano. So the Juice Robinson match was really, really good. Yes, I really enjoyed the Juice Robinson match. I think that night. What night was that? Night four. four. Yeah. Night four has been one of the best nights of the entire tournament so far. Um, yeah, and I think they had the third best match of the night, and it was still really, really good. I probably would have given it at four stars. Uh, great for Juice. Uh, Abushi is a madman. He did that freaking. Um, the golden triangle off the post. Yeah, he bounced on the on the tip top of the post and did a golden triangle. That was nuts. Um, that match only went 13 minutes. It felt longer than that, but yeah, it was really, really, really good. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed the Toriano match. Oh, dude, yes. <laughs> Dude, I, well, we'll talk about Yano in a minute, but I've been loving Yano this whole tournament. But yeah, I enjoyed the uh, this Yano Ibushi match, and um, actually, you know, one of our listeners uh, tweeted us some of the backstory on uh, Toro Yano. Uh, it's Tokyo Wrestling Fan at TWF87 on Twitter. Um, Great name. Yeah. Uh, so he that's not facetious I'm serious yeah that's awesome man sometimes it's hard to tell if I'm being serious <laughs> um, so yeah man he reached out to us and he was like one thing about Yano trying not to cheat uh, the university he went to was involved in a cheating scandal in American football this year so he said in the press conference he was going to try and restore their image by not cheating in the G1 and showing his amateur wrestling skill um <laughs> uh, and thank you for that feedback because we did not know that, uh, you know, during last last week's reviews. So that kind of adds a little bit of depth to what's going on with his character. Yeah. So, I mean, the Ibushi match, he did a little bit more uh, cheating than he had been in the other matches. He taped up Ibushi's hands. Well, the, the story is he's trying to amateur wrestle and it's not getting him anywhere. Yeah. And so the wins that he is getting, he's literally having to resort back to cheating. Yeah. So it's like, yes, he's trying to like turn a new leaf. But it's not working. Right. It's like he, he does get a little bit of advantage. He's when, having success with yeah. wrestling, but he's not winning the match. And right. ultimately to win, he's having to go back to his heel cheating ways. Yeah. And in this match, it, this was like, 
Um, this is one of the longest Yano matches uh, in the tournament, uh, or in G1 history, actually. Right, because Yano, um, his matches are usually like average like five minutes or something like that. Yep. And uh, I thought Ibushi was going to beat him. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he taped that man's hands up, and Ibushi, you know, did the best he could with taped up hands, but eventually he got beat. Which and it was a, this was like the sequel to the match with Kenny Omega last year. Yeah, it was like a fitting tribute to that match. Yeah, and uh, you know Yano he uh, dumped the Bushi into the ref, low blow and a chop block, and Yano rolled him up and got the win. Which you know, um, Yano is one of those guys like we've said he gets he can beat anybody on any night. Uh, he's not gonna you know win the tournament or anything. Um, I think obviously with the way they got to factor in the points and everything like that, with what they're looking to do, someone's got to beat Ibushi, and if this probably makes sense from a booking standpoint. Um, you know, Yano's not everyone's cup of tea. You know, not everyone digs these these matches. I did think it was funny when they were going around and and they undid every single turn. Turn buckle. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I yeah. thought the tape spots were really funny. There was a lot of comedy in this match. Um, and this, this was like right down Abushi's DDT past. Yes. Yeah. It was so, very much a DDT match. Honestly, th- th- this match could have been more like outrageous. It could have been. Yeah. They toned. It, they kept it pretty toned down. Like. like it was not as outrageous as the Omega, the Omega match. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I, Abushi's having a bro between the Saber Junior match, the Robinson match, and then the funny, you know, the comedy match he had with Yano. He's having a great tournament. Yeah. And he's four points, and I'm expecting him to go far in the tournament. If not, you know, he's an outside shot at, at winning the block. Yeah, I mean, he has the big uh, matchup with Kenny at Budokan on the last B block night. So, yeah. Obviously, that, that has a feeling that's going to play into who's going to the B-Block final somehow. Yeah. So, next up, we have the Cold Skull Sonata. He also has four points, two wins, and one loss on uh, night four. He took on Tamatonga. Night six, he's, night six, he took on Zack Sabre Jr. So, I really, really liked the Zack Sabre Jr. match. Yes, dude, that's... Honestly, like, I didn't even know Sonata had that in him. Like, he was keeping up with Sabre and all the uh, submissions and tra- uh, chain wrestling and catch wrestling. Well, I think we saw shades of that during their match during the uh, the New Japan Cup, if you re- recall. Yeah. Like, he was but, trying to keep up with him, but he was much more in this match. This match, to me, was just such a throwback to CWA, like, European catch wrestling and world of sport style. Like, this... Th- that was just what this style match was like a modern day version of that like yeah. through and through everything about it I was watching it, I was like man this could have been you know this could have been taking place on a you know Sunday Sunday afternoon in, in, <laughs> in England in the 70s like that's what it really felt like honestly yeah I mean it definitely felt like they were trying to see like Sonata you know study the New Japan Cup match and like came back with a game plan because if you remember the New Japan Cup match Sabre like pretty much whooped him that majority of that match yes uh so sonata was you know holding it down here and like going hold for hole for saber you know they had that spot with the full nelson like saber kept like trying to escape and sonata kept getting him back in the full nelson yeah saber you know doesn't recently a lot of times his matches are based around him catching guys and putting them in holds and that sort of thing but you know he actually has he's a great escape style wrestler 
when it comes to like that escape style from uh, European and and English wrestling. Um, it reminds me a lot of Steve Gray, um, you know, from from uh, you know World of Sport fame. Yeah. And this kind of showcased his uh, escape style wrestling, uh, you know, style, which was really really cool to see. I just I dug the heck out of this. It was very different from anything else you're going to see in the tournament. I, you know, uh, it wasn't like the standout match of the tournament, but it was just really good, really really good wrestling match. Like seriously. Yeah, on the other hand, the match with Tama was not that good. These uh, matches were literally almost the exact same length, and the Tama Tonga match just felt like it was an eternity. It was slow. It was lethargic. Um, Sonata ended up rolling him up, which, like, I don't even know. I didn't even know why that happened. Yeah, I mean, Tonga Law was out there, and you would think Tama Tonga would get the win here, but uh, Sonata, almost like evil, used Loa against... Tonga. It's like Tama's getting a push where he's getting buried. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, they're like, we're going to give you a push, kid, but we're going to bury you the whole time. It's like, yeah. ugh, what is happening? Yeah, so yeah, um, you know, Tama went for the gun stun. Sonata countered it. Uh, he, run, he ran uh, Tama into Loa and uh, cradled him for the win. Yeah, so I mean, Sonata still has quite a few big matchups left in him. I'm excited to see. I, you know, he's a guy that we've been wanting to step up and, and really perform. Um, he's having a good tournament. I'm not going to sit here and say it's been a great tournament so far. Right. I think this the Sabre match is the standout match. Um, you know, the Goto match was, you know, there are people that really dug it. I don't think I was one of them. Um, but I think you liked it more yeah, than I did. Yeah, I did. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sonata's, Sonata's doing good, man. Yeah, so definitely... It's interesting. We only have three matches so far in this block, so we have less to kind of chew on. You know, like, I don't have a fully formed opinion. I feel like by the next time we record, obviously we'll be, like, down the stretch when it comes to uh, the G1. We'll be, you know, like three quarters of the way done by that point. So, uh, but yeah, Sonata's Sonata's looking good, man. And he he got a clean win over Zack Sabre, which is a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. And I definitely recommend watch the Sabre match. Tama match, you can skip. Um, next up, also with four points, his LIJ brother, Tetsuya Naito. Two wins, one loss. On night four, he took on Tomohiro Ishii. Night six, he took on the U.S. champ, Juice Robinson. And man, I freaking love the Ishii match. Same. Same. But I don't think I've ever seen a bad Naito and Ishii match. In fact, I don't know if I've seen a match that wasn't close to great or just great between these two. They're they're fantastic when they work together. Yeah, the Naito Ishii is a go out of your way and watch if you're cherry picking. Yes. I mean, yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Just the hard hitting action. Naito just moving at like light speed. Oh man, the crowd was hot. I mean, it was just everything was so good in this match. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that Naito and Ishii was a standout match in the tournament so far. Um, I I really really liked it. That was basically that was his uh, you know him kind of getting his first two points in the tournament, right? Yeah. Yep. So um, now let me ask you: Did you like the Naito Ishii match on night four better than Omega and? Goto, or do you like yeah. Omega Goto? No, I like Naito and Ishii better. I gave that uh, 4.75. I, I'd be close to that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, Naito and Ishii was just fantastic. Yeah, man, it was hard-hitting, dramatic, um, you know, callbacks to their previous matches. 
Um, I mean, just great stuff, man. They work so well together. You're right. So. I agree. Naito's having a fantastic tournament. Um, you know, the Omega match was an all-time classic. The Ishii match, another great, you know, match. And then the Robinson match was really good. Um, like, really good. Like, it, it overperformed. Um, Naito just was so vicious in his attack of, of the injured hand. Right. They started telling that story in the uh, the undercard tag match on uh, the previous night that uh, Naito started going after the hand. And then in this matchup here on night six, he just went all out on the attack on the hand. And, you know, the crowd was actually booing him. And they were getting behind Juice because Naito just... He the one thing I loved about it, he um, tweaked a lot of his signature moves to work on the hand. For example, um, the one move he does where he he gets them in the corner and like sweeps their legs and does a drop kick usually to their face, well he switched it to a drop kick to the arm, and um, the snap mirror. And he kicks him in the back of the head and said he kicked him in the arm. So all of his signature yes. moves that involve a kick usually to the head or attacking another part of the body, he changed it to focus on the left arm. I thought that was a brilliant wrestling. I've seen Naito do that. Uh, specifically, one match that comes to mind was the G1, or I'm sorry, the uh, Wrestle Kingdom match with Tanahashi, mm-hmm. uh, where he kept attacking his knee and his leg. And that was kind of the story. Very, very similar here. Um, yeah, I mean, Naito's fantastic, and Juice, you know, was a, a great foil. He, he beat Juice uh, in that match as well, so he sits at the block with four points. Um, you know, he's a guy that many people favor to win this whole thing, you know, yeah. with the Omega loss standing aside. Yeah, so, man, both of these matches, the Ishii match and the Juice match, are definitely matches you need to watch from this tournament. Ishii's a high recommendation. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say the Juice match is a high recommendation, too. That was another excellent match. The crowd was hot for it. I mean... I'd recommend it, but I'd say high recommendation for, for oh, Ishii. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, man, both of these matches are great, and Naito's having a great tournament so far. Turning it around, man, hopefully. Yeah. I, I, I hope that this this tournament really turns it around because of the year he's been having. Like, I don't even know how to give an analysis of the booking that they've done with him at this point, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm just hoping at this point with this is probably it. If you're going to try to turn things around, this tournament's your opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so next up, the Stone Pitbull, Tomohiro Ishii, also Ooh. has four points, two wins, one loss. Like we mentioned, on night four, he took on Naito. On night six, he took on Hiroki Goto. So we talked about the Naito match, but let's talk about night six against Hiroki Goto. <laughs> this was a banger. This was the strong style match of the year candidate. This was fight forever, bro. Yes, it was. Fight forever. This match was awesome, man. Oh my this match gosh, was bro. awesome. Um, I've heard people say that these guys, you know, we've seen them in G1s before and they've had better matches, but I don't know that I agree with that. I really, really I don't it. know, man. I'm I'm like debating. This is like between 4.7 and 5 and 5. It's oh. very close to 5 stars. Yeah. Very close. And I'm pretty sure Meltzer's going to give it 5. I think so, too. Um, I think with, uh, because he's overrating crap, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, Ishii, man, we, I just, I love Ishii so freaking much. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this was like the never style matches that, that we've been missing for a while, man. Like, 
Yeah, I, I've, I made jokes earlier in the year or like a few weeks ago about how Goto had that match with Suzuki and said never again. Yeah. Well, Ishii was, Ishii was like, screw that. We're, run it. Yeah. Run it. Yeah. I, I want the smoke. I want all <laughs> the smoke. Yeah, man. And um, this match was just so freaking violent, so freaking And it was so beautiful about this match. No outside interference, no ref bumps, no shenanigans, no going to the outside. Two guys battling in the middle of the ring. Very interesting. I was listening to uh, Observer, and Brian Alvarez was talking about this match, and he said, you know, these are two guys that I would love to wrestle because, yes, when you wake up the next morning, you will hurt. And you'll hurt in the match, but you will never actually get injured. Right. They will never hurt you the way that these two guys work specifically. And he was like, they are so safe. And he actually asked uh, a friend of his who had worked with Ishii. And he's like, what was it like working with Ishii? He's like, I didn't feel a thing. Uh, you're exposing the business. But like, he was like, he's so he like a light touch. Right. He's such a great worker. Like everything he does feels and looks vicious but it actually isn't necessarily he's such a safe worker and i mean ishii man i i love like man um all all year i've been thinking like suzuki's you know our carl gotch award winner but ishii's starting to make a run man yeah he is he's really starting to make a run for that award he's, he's got walter uh next month I oh mean, my god yeah, man, Ishii's going to make a run for the How old. about this? Before we move on, let me talk about... So, I think Ishii's having a fantastic tournament, but we watched him um, the night prior to this in a tag match where it was him and um, Sho against Yo and Goto. Goto. And watching him work with those juniors... Now, you know, if, if you've been a fan of New Japan for a while, you'll remember that Ishii used to be a junior. He's not a tall guy. But watching him work next to Sho and Yo... He's, like, the same size as them. Yeah. He's a guy that, like, in my mind, I always just imagine is just a gigantic bruiser killer. Same here, dude. I'm always shocked, especially, I mean, you know, when we saw him at Supercard of Honor, oh, he wow. was, like, he was against um, Punishment Martinez. What? Well, yeah. And I was like, man, like, I didn't realize how small Ishii was. I, I want... A junior run out of Ishii. <laughs> okay, we looked up. We looked up the weight limit. Yeah, the, the, it's two twenty. Two twenty. That's how He's much. He's billed as two twenty. Yeah. If he drops five pounds or ten pounds, like I understand, there's people who are like, why would he do that? He's in the heavyweight division. Guys, come on, like let's get real. They're not. They're not putting the IWGP title on Ishii. They're not giving him a, a big major push anytime soon. I would love. To see him go on a Neville style run in the in the Super Juniors or in the, in the oh Juniors. my gosh, he would kill everybody. Yeah, he would. He would, and it would be so cool because you'd see like Will Osprey and like all these guys, you know, Marty Skrull trying the crap they try. They wouldn't pull that crap on Ishii. He would be freaking like buzzing. Dude, he everybody. would be the junior champion forever. Forever, <laughs> he'd be the greatest junior champion in history. <laughs> It would redefine what junior wrestling is. You know, yeah. everyone's talking about this flippy crap. He's like, no, hold this lariat. Hold this headbutt. <laughs> hold Let me chop you in this throat. throat. Hold a brain buster. Hold this brain buster. Go to hell. One, <laughs> two, three. I know there's like, I know this is never going to happen, but I'm at the point now where like, after I saw him working with those juniors, I was like, that would be fantastic. Like, that'd be so cool. <laughs> but yeah, man. Oh, dude, this match would go to, man. So obviously, Legendary. Go, yeah, Goto's never open with champion. So obviously, this win here gives Ishii um, the right to challenge Goto for never open weight title shot. But they're both in chaos. 
So and that kind of I don't know if that will ever happen. Right, because you know we're Ishi, still waiting on. I mean, Ishii beat Okada. Okada, and he never got a towel shot. But with the whole you know Jay White wanting uh, uh, stable makes a challenge for titles, and I, Jay, don't, I don't think we'll ever see it. Be honest with you, yeah. that's just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, it would be cool to see that. Maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, awesome. But I just don't think we'll see it. Unfortunately, but, I don't. I hate to be that guy, but that's just—it's New Japan, man. I don't yeah. think they're gonna do that. Well, we'll see what happens with that. But both Ishii matches must watch the Naito match and the Goto match. Great, great stuff. Two of the best matches in the whole entire tournament. Yep. And we and you're gonna hear us say that a lot in this B block because this these nights have been great. They've been vastly superior mm-hmm. to the A block. I mean, obviously. Yeah. And there's only been three nights so far. Like. It's been awesome. So next up, we got Hiroki Goto. He has uh, only two points with one win and two losses. We talked about both of his matches, the Omega match and the Ishii match. Uh, Anything else to talk about with Goto? You know, um, I think it is interesting. He's the never champion. He did lose to Omega. Um, If you remember, Omega recently was talking about the one title in New Japan that he's never held is the never title. Mm -hmm. And the commentary was like almost selling up the idea that like... Omega might challenge for the Never Belt to try to become Grand Slam champion, which I'm like, I don't know if I see that happening, but that's a funny take on that whole thing, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, Goto is a guy that we've been critical of this year, but man, he he waited he, to turn it he, on, man. Yeah, he turned it on. He was like, man, I'm just gonna chill until G1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. So yeah. Goto, uh, you know, he's got a lot of guys still that. Uh, that are left to face and it is interesting to see if any of this is going to have title repercussions for the never belt um i've been very pleasantly su- surprised he's put on two classic matches back to back and um yeah goto's doing really well man really well yeah man good stuff from hiroki goto then um also with two points one win two loss uh the bad boy tamatonga uh, night four, he wrestled Sonata. Night six was Omega. We talked about both of those matches. Just trash, bro. Just trash. Yeah, man. Just straight up. Like, you want to talk about squandered opportunity? Like, this is squandered opportunity. Um, his promos are great. His character work is great. Great. Guy's got so much charisma. So much swag. But, bro, he's like, I don't, I don't want to say he's not a good wrestler because I don't know if that's totally true yet. But I'm at the point where I'm like... Is he just that limited? He just can't have good matches because he's having the worst tournament of anybody in the tournament, bar none, and that includes Fale. Yeah. He's in the B block and he's having the worst tournament of anybody in the entire tournament, bro. Do you, do you understand how bad that is? Yeah. I mean, even Yoshihashi, you know, is outdoing him. Like, I'm trying to think who in the A block is even close to being as bad as him. There's nobody. Fale. Fale. <laughs> and, that, and then that just goes to show you, like, it really buries this whole angle when you have, you know, when you have a sport-centered product like mm-hmm. New Japan and you want to do something. I understand you want to do something different. You want to build heat. And I get that. And I'm all for that. But you cannot be this bad. <laughs> And draw people to you. Dude, Japanese fans don't like DQs. 
But I will say they the Japanese crowds they have been hot for these firing squad angles, and it is getting them heat for getting these DQs and um, you know they're getting legitimately mad with these guys and they get they they pop for when the the good guys come in and take them out. So it it is building up heat for the firing squad. But once again, I feel like the G one is a wrong time to be doing this so let's talk about this now that we're on Tamatanga, we're already on the subject i feel like we've already kind of said what we need to say about him but you know uh earlier today there was a controversy that broke out with Tamatanga on twitter uh another case of some guys who maybe like shouldn't be using twitter mm-hmm. or like need like some sort of guidance i'm like i'm wondering if like new japan needs pr or something like that like because um you know there's been there was out you know the, the outrage about kenny omega the last like few weeks and all that you know mm-hmm. that was so huge and this thing with tamatanga that that occurred today is so much, much worse. worse yeah like this is a real actual deal so if you guys don't know tamatanga was um you know, I think he was working his gimmick and, you know, re- responding to fans. And there was a fan who basically criticized his his quality of matches and, you know, said, like, that he's underperformed. Like, he sucks, basically. Yeah. And so Tamatanga, uh, you know, called the, the kid a mark. And I'm just kind of paraphrasing because if you want to see it, it's all over the Internet. You can go. It's There's dirt sheet websites covering it. It's, it's still on Twitter. But um, this person criticized him. So then he... Tamatanga made a, a response to this fan talking about, you know, how he's a mark and, you know, criticizing how dorky his uh, profile picture was. So this fan basically was like, well, you know, I'm sorry that you don't like my picture. That That's a picture of me and two fallen brothers, you know, basically saying that he's a vet and that, he, two, the, that the two guys in the picture with him had just passed serving an act of duty. And... Tamatanga basically came out and he was he like basically like cussed the dude out, um, you know, told him like he was a mark for trying to use the uh, the veteran card, and like said a bunch of other derogatory stuff. Then the guy like him and the guy went back and forth, back and forth, and it continued. And then other fans started getting into it. And then Tamatanga, I was like, is this guy drunk right now? Did I mean I don't? You you heard some of the stuff I was telling you about? Yeah. So I mean, it's just one of those things. You know, a lot of people like to joke about like WWE having like a PR team like that helps the wrestlers like on Twitter and stuff like that but when you got a guy like Tama Tonga that stuff is kind of needed I mean this guy is going out here just like making himself look bad making New Japan look bad I mean I mean I'm all for heat I'm all for it uh you know what I mean like I think that there is too much political correctness to some degree and there's some people who are probably hearing that like oh no you know yeah like i'm not like a politically correct type of individual i do believe in equality and i believe in all that sort of stuff but at the same time you know i think bad guys should be bad guys in right and i think it, it is a good idea if you are a heel to use your twitter to, to, forge to forward your character and storylines but there's a certain point where you cross the line and it's not really a storyline and you're like personally attacking but remember how this worked out for uh, baron corbin yeah. It didn't work out for him. And it, it it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you start and then, you know, Tam and Tonga basically was coming out saying like that he was active duty during a time of war. So, you know, and anybody who like tried to basically call him out, he was just like, F you, you blanket, like, you know, right. like it's, it, it was, it's, it was so overt to the point where like, we can't even really repeat the stuff he was saying. All you got to do is just go online and, and read the tweets. He didn't even take them down. Right. I like mean, they're still up. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where he should have. 
hit his comeback and then just dropped it and not respond to the guy from there. Why, why is he out there responding to fans to begin with? Right. Your heel. Like, I don't understand. Like, I, it almost feels like a... Uh, you know, like one of those vanity like search type of deals where the guys like are, are marked for themselves and right. he's just going in on fans. And I'm like, hey, I get it. Like you're trying to get heat. But dude, but between how bad your your entire tournament is and like you're floundering, you're floundering. And now you're creating a PR mess for New Japan. If he was working almost any I'm I am wondering how the New Japan uh with the new leadership, if they're going to address this or what's going to happen. I'm like, dude, do you want to kill your push? Because that's yeah. what's about to happen. They could end this very quickly. Very quickly. You could. They could just bring him in, job him out to to Kenny Omega. He'd be done. They're disbanded. You lose your Bullet Club money. See ya. Have a nice day. Like, I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm at a loss, bro. Like this is this is stupid. This yeah. is stupid. Yeah, man. Who would know that? You know, they left San Francisco so hot and with this great angle and it's just like going on the drain right now yeah he did those interviews with Uprox and Sports Illustrated they were so great and I was so excited for this and then now I'm like you know man there's certain things as a wrestler as a wrestler I feel like in today's age because it's not the 80s anymore it's not the 70s there are certain subjects that you can't just you can't just say whatever you want to get cheap heat you know what I mean right especially like you do have to conduct yourself with some common sense and it's like this, like this whole thing. It's like, does it get you over? Are you getting over right now? No, like, not really. Are you making more money because you're you're attacking this veteran online and drawing like like legit like uh, controversy around yourself? Like, I don't think it, this is not the good kind of heat you want to get. Um, there's not much more to say about it, but like at this point, like right now, Tamatanga just sucks, bro. Like yeah. he just sucks. Like I don't want to watch a Tonga match. I don't want to watch a Fale match. Like it, it sucks. It just sucks. Yeah, man. This BCOG stuff, man. It's sucking and it's getting old fast. And we're already still got five we're more not even halfway through the tournament and I'm yeah. already done, dude. <laughs> done. Last week I was making like like a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of like, I don't know, like some, some what would the word be? Like, like leniency? Yeah, I was giving them some leniency and making some, uh, you know, giving them a little bit of le- little leeway. leeway. Yeah. But bro, this just sucks. Like, I don't want to watch his matches. Like, you know, that thing that Kenny Omega said about bringing down the star average? I mean, it's true. It's true. For everybody. And you know. He's having the worst matches of and everyone in the and people want to people want to look back to, like, Prince Devitt and H.A. Styles. Yeah, those guys had cheating and interference, but at least they were having good matches. This sucks. With the interference. Yes, yeah, this sucks. Yeah. I'm, that's all I have to say. It sucks. Period. Done. Suck. <laughs> So, uh, moving on to uh, uh, Zach Sabre Jr. He has also two points, one win, two losses. Oh, before we move on, at this point, I don't want Hanari to go with them. I know last week I <laughs> thought that would be a great idea, but now I'm like, leave Hanari alone because, th- like, you put him in that crew, it's going to derail that dude. He'd be the best worker of the team. <laughs> You guys can't see my face, but my jaw just dropped because that is true. That is true. Toa Hanare. Oh, wow. That's true. Yo, if I'm Ishimori and I'm watching this crap from afar, I'm like... The 
The early, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, they desperately need Ishimori to be on their side. No, they don't. They need it, bro. This thing's gonna fail at this rate. Like, I'm sorry. Maybe I'll be wrong, and if I'm wrong, great. But like, this thing sucks. Yeah. It's done. It's already dead. Uh, so yeah, so Zack Sabre Jr. One win, two losses, two points. Night four, he took on Toriano. Night six, he took on Sonata. Um, Man, Zack Sabre's having a fantastic tournament. Um, I wouldn't say that the Sonata match was at the level of the Ibushi match, but it was really, really, really good. Um, you know, the Ibushi match that Sabre had was so different from everything else in the tournament. And then the Sonata match was different from everything else in the tournament. And then the Yano match... Was dude. in my opinion the best Yano match of the tournament. Yes, it was, dude. I it was a, a great match, good fun match up here. It's one of my favorite Yano matches of all time. Yeah, I loved how Zack Saber was going to the outside and uh, putting him in holds in the guardrail, and then running inside trying to get a count out win. Yeah, and I'm like, that's that's so brilliant. Like I know I remember when uh, Brian Kendrick tried to do that during the Cruiserweight Classic against Ibushi. Yeah. And I loved it then, but this was, like, even more creative than that. Like, I really liked the Yano match. Yeah, I mean, once again, it was, you know, Yano keeping up a little bit with the grappling in the beginning with Saber. It was just, like, great to see, you know, Yano. I've been calling him Shooter Yano. Yano ain't no skinny whip, you know? Yeah. You know, uh, Zack Saber has got a size disadvantage the whole tournament. So, I mean, you know. That, that plays into it, but Zack Sabre's having a fantastic tournament, man. Yeah. For all the detractors and the people that don't like him, I feel like this guy, there's no way you could be watching this tournament right now. He might prove us wrong. Still a long way to go, but so far, anyone who doesn't like him, there's no way you could be watching this and think that he sucks. These three matches were off the charts good. Yeah, I mean, all, all, all Sabre's matches have, are worth a watch, I would say. Yes. And you know what's funny? There's some guys where you're like, you know what, um... It's only worth watching them if it's a blowaway match. Like, like let's say Yoshihashi, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Zack Saber's a guy where like this Yano match might not have been blowaway, but it's worth a watch. Yeah. Uh, the Sonata match was very good. It's not like top tier of the tournament, but, but it's, it's worth, worth a, a watch. watch. Yeah. Everything he's doing matters. Everything he's doing is important. And yeah, I mean. And then the, even the, the tag matches with him and uh, Takamichi Nohu. Uh, he's got the Zack driver now. And yeah. So when uh, Taka's calling him out, he's not calling him the submission master anymore. He's calling him the wrestling master. Yeah, pro wrestling master. <laughs> um, yeah, and he's like, because he has the Zack driver now. So he's yeah. not just a submission guy, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Now, how about the fact he's only got two points? Yeah, I mean, so far only uh, three um only three matches, but still, you, I expect Saber to be a guy that could have potentially started off this tournament three and zero, or even two and one. I thought he was going to beat Sonata. Yeah, um, I could could have definitely see, seen him losing to Ibushi, but I also could have seen it gone either way. Really, yeah, uh, it was that early in the tournament, but I expect him from here on out to pick up a lot more wins. Yeah, same here. Um, but you know, he won the New Japan Cup this year, so I don't think he's going to be a factor as far as like winning the tournament realistically but you know could he be a, a never challenger or a u.s challenger coming out of here definitely yeah. i mean you know last year's g1 i believe he ended with 10 points so we, we haven't seen him in, a, in omega yet mm. yeah that should be interesting i don't know what that'll even be like i don't even have a uh like an idea in my mind of how good that will or won't be i mean uh, we still have a, a naito and saber 
which you know say they had a good match in New Japan Cup and I think Naito's coming for coming for that W. Yeah. Naito's got to get that win back. Yeah. So yeah, I mean Zack Saber's doing really well in this tournament. Uh, also tied at two points, one one two losses. Toro Yanu, we mentioned night four was against uh, Saber, uh, and night six was against Ibushi. Yeah, so I mean we talked about both these matches. Um, Yano, this has been my favorite G one year of Yano's career. You know, um, I heard on another podcast they were saying that this was almost likened to like a how one time a year we get serious to Gucci. Yeah, it's kind of like we're getting serious. Serious Yano, you yeah, dude. I've been loving, dude. I've been popping for all these Yano matches. I've been loving the belly to belly suplex he's been doing. Um, he's doing a lot of cool shooting stuff. firemen, shooting single and double legs. Everybody's I mean, everybody's making him look great. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Everyone he goes against, they're making him look good. Um, I don't know necessarily. You know, he's still, like, having shorter matches. that They're longer than normal, but, I mean, eight minutes, ten minutes. But everything he's doing is, like, none of it, not a single match that he's had is something where I'd be, like, match of the year. Right. Nothing like that. But none of his matches have been bad. No, not only that, I would recommend every match he's been. They're all worth a watch. You need, yeah, the Ibushi match, the Ishii match, and the Sabre match are all, like, yeah, you should probably watch that. This is one of the, like... This is one of the funnest storylines going in the entire G1, which is something that's kind of lacking in the A block. Like, Yano's not going to win this thing, but everything Yano's doing is, like, so compelling. Yeah, man. And, and I couldn't say that in years past. Yeah, man. Yano's definitely having a great G1. I'm just G1. sad we don't have a Suzuki match with him. Oh, week. yeah. <laughs> that would have been great. Is that our last guy? No. Last guy is the IWGP US champion. The flamboyant Chiefs Robinson, zero points, zero wins, three losses. Uh, night four, he took on Kota Ibushi. Night six, he took on Tetsuya Naito. Juice, uh, we talked about both those matches. Juice doesn't have any wins, but all three of his matches have, well, actually, his first matches with Tama. Don't watch that. But the Kota and Naito matches have been great. Um, he's a guy, he's, you know, having great performances. Um, but unfortunately, he's you know he's got the goose egg right now. So Kevin Kelly's been mentioning how he's a streaking performer when it comes to these tournaments, and how you know last year he lost his first five and then won the last three, and ended up having the biggest win of his career going against Kenny Omega. I think he's got Kenny Omega next in the tournament, right? Yes, he does. I'm like, dude, is he gonna lose again and go for like zero oh and four? I'm, uh, I'm like, you know, yeah. I feel like he really, really needs to win that match. Yeah. And we have a question about Juice from at Jar of Peanuts on Twitter. He says, how do you guys feel about all the losses Juice is taking? Are his losses excused due to his injured hand? He has just become a champion and has lost to three people too clean, and they likely won't even challenge for the belt. In your opinion, is the belt getting buried a bit? That's a great question. I also want to say my uh, hats off to you, Jeremy, because you're doing a fantastic job keeping track of these questions and just, you know, you're just peppering them in. You know what I mean? Like, you're just peppering them in. Like, this is so great. Like, making my job easy, you know? Um, I've, I've said it many times. I'm just the talent. Jeremy, Jeremy's the puppet master. He runs this freaking show. But, um, yeah, you know, it's interesting because there was reports where people were alleging that by putting the IC title on Jericho – 
they were giving an opportunity to make the U.S. title more prestigious and kind of heat it up with the IC title being absent. And I'm kind of questioning if that's even the case because they just put the title on Robinson just at the G1 in San Francisco, and he's 3-0, and man. Yeah. Like, what are they doing? I don't he's, know. He's in the tougher block. He is. He's in the tougher block. He has the injured left hand. It's only 70% healed. I think um, that's a great story, by the way. Yeah. Um, so we did see Naito attacking that, and you know he can't use it or he'll get disqualified. What I don't like is how during the Kazuna Road Tour, they, and they have gone away. Like I think that the uh, broadcasters are being told not to mention it anymore. But we've we before the G1 in San Francisco during Kazuna Road, the rule was if he used the cast, he'd be disqualified. But if anyone attacked his cast. They would get disqualified. They get disqualified. Um, you know, the way that Kevin Kelly basically mentioned the story was he said, you know, they didn't want him to compete and they told him, hey, we can't protect you. So if you compete, you won't be able to use your your cast, but anyone who attacks it, they'll be fine to kind of discourage him from, from uh, you know, trying to compete. Which I don't. It's like a revisionist history because earlier on the previous tour, that's not the the rule, and they've they've never mentioned it. Right. You know, which is a little inconsistent. That's not consistency. <laughs> consistency. But um, yeah. I I'm like you know, they've got all three titles in this block. It does seem like you know Robinson is coming off as the lower of the three champions. Obviously. Yeah. Um. I am wondering. I'm like, you know, do, do they even care about this title at this point? Yeah, I feel like it does hurt the credibility of the U.S. title, especially yeah, this big, hot um, title change at the G1 Special in San Francisco. Um, you know, Juice was riding a wave of momentum. I understand that there are certain points that he's probably going to get in the tournament, but I would have scheduled it a little. I would have scheduled his wins maybe at the beginning. Yeah, I'm, I, I can't imagine that they – I mean, last week we were talking about Juice, and I said, you know, I assume he'll start picking up wins and start heating up. But then when I after that, we started looking at the field that he had to go against, and I was like, man, it's a tough field. Yeah. It's a really tough field, and it's like, you know, I don't know, man. Like, maybe Juice should have been in the A block. Like, I do feel like the B block is too stacked. And on the one hand, I'm happy about that because we're getting so many good nights, so many good matches. But, like, Juice might have been better off in the A block. Right. Another, he would have been a solid performer in that block, having good matches there. You could have, yeah, you could have easily had Juice in that block and maybe instead, like, bring over a Makabe or something. Yeah. Yeah. To kind of balance it out. Mm -hmm. But they didn't do that. So it's it's a tough go for him. Um, And it, I do feel like I'm like, man, all three of these guys beat him. Are any of them going to get a title shot? Like, it doesn't feel like it's building towards that. And it's like, is he if he keeps losing, is he going to have to defend his belt against everybody? Right. Which, actually, I think that could be a great story of him having to defend the belt against all these people that beat him. And he gets to win back, and he, like, defends against all of them. How many years would that take? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. How I mean, the title zone can defend it that often in New right. Japan. Like, right. It's going to take him, like, three years. Well, the U.S. title, they could defend a little bit more if they wanted to. They could, I guess. But, I mean, there's only so many tours between now and the end of the year. There's only, like, two or three more big shows. Yeah. You going to defend against Naito Ibushi and Tamatanga? You could, yeah. I don't know. (laughs) And then I'm like, well, with Kenny Omega, I feel like if he beats Kenny because he's the U.S. champion and Kenny is undefeated, 
Uh, plus, he already upset him last year. That would make sense. But at the same time, I'm like, Kenny should probably just beat him. He's the IWGP champion. Like, you know, I don't see Juice challenging for that belt. But I, I feel like maybe because they're both champions, it could give them a, a way for them to not have to do a title defense. And I'm sure Omega has to take a loss to somebody. So maybe Robinson's the perfect guy to do that right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, man, Robinson – I mean, because Robinson's so low on the totem pole in, in terms of this block that if he did beat Omega, it might not even really garner him a title – like warrant a title shot. You know what I mean? Right. It's like you've lost all these other people. Like You're going to get a title shot because all these other people already beat you? Probably not. Yeah. Like you got- I, I'm going to make the bold prediction. I'm going to predict like with a lot of hesitance. I'm going to say he's probably going to beat Omega. Mm. What do you think? I don't know. I'm kind of torn, man. I, I, I honestly, I feel like it can go either way. I don't remember what I put in my pick em, but it's sort of like earlier in the year when we were talking about Jay White and we both took Omega, but Jay White really, really needed the win. Yeah. And then we look back afterwards and we're like, he probably, sh- yeah, that, that makes sense because he needed the win. Yeah. Juice needs, needs the win. win. Yeah. I don't think Juice is going to hit him with the, uh, I, think Juice, I think Juice roll him up. Yeah. And also, I wouldn't be surprised if there's OG Bullet Club interference that leads to a Kenny Omega loss against Juice. Mm. That could happen, yeah. So then it kind of taints the victory. Mm-hmm. That's my prediction. Yeah, man. Also, one other note about Juice Robinson. He's been using the um, gut buster called the Juice Box yeah. as a secondary move. That's been cool. Yeah. He's been doing a jackhammer, too. Yeah, he has. So, I mean, Juice is stepping his game up, throwing some new moves in there. Burying Goldberg. Burying <laughs> Bill because he didn't sign with them this year. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, anything else on uh, Juice? No, but I will say this with the B block. There's so many guys that have performed so well already. Um, the way that we kind of can easy, easily compartmentalize who's done well in the A block, it's much harder in the B block. Because um, then I'm like, you know what? Ishii's the standout guy. No, Omega is. No, no Naito. Naito is. <laughs> no, Zack Sabre is. No, you know what I mean? Um, which those are probably the guy. And Goto. You know, Abushi. Yeah. Everybody's having a standout tournament right now. Um, but we're only three matches in, so it's really hard to put a label on it so far and say who's the top guy in this tournament. But this block is awesome, man. This block's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then another follow-up question from at Jar of Peanuts. He asks, how do you guys feel about there being three championships in the B block and none on A block? To me, the matches in B block are more important because losses for Kenny, Goto, and Juice mean something, whereas in A block, many of the matches are of little consequence. I think it's a mistake. I think it's a mistake because we already kind of talked about it a little bit, but, you know, the champions should only be taking so many losses and there's only, only so many points to go around. I think that Juice Robinson, I mean, I'm not Gato, so I don't know, but, you know, Juice could have easily beat Tamatanga specifically um, and at least had two points here, in my opinion. Yeah. But I don't, I'm like, it's hard because you got three champions in the same block. And so you have to, with the way that, how strong this uh, bracket is, someone's got to go under and they got to devalue that title. The never title kind of never has been super, super important, so I can see Goto taking losses, and it makes sense. But, I mean, Robinson already taking three, it really does hurt. And I feel like this wouldn't be the case if he was in the A block, so I think it's a mistake. Yeah, I definitely think, yeah, they should have probably 
had juice in the A block. Yep. I agree. But, That's pretty much it. Yeah. Great question. And then we just have a couple more questions on Reddit. Uh, Reddit user DD Young BSU. He says, Who is a G1 competitor you'd least want to take a chop from? Ishii. Oh, uh, 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 I, I, I say uh, Suzuki. Michael Elgin? You know who's got great chops? It's Jay White. Yeah. Jay White's got really good chops. I, I'm still going to go with Ishii, um, but Suzuki's right there, too. Yeah, I'd go Suzuki because he, would, he wouldn't just stop with the chop. He would chop you and then palm strike you and then... You know, Ishii chops you in the throat. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, none of them are Walter level, so there's that. Yeah. Um, then uh, Reddit user uh, Kevin P six six six, he says, "Is Yoshihashi the root cause of uh, narcolepsy in Japan?" Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that you should like reach out. I don't know if they have a surgeon general in Japan, but you should probably reach out to them with that theory because that that's pretty astute. That's apt analysis in my book. <laughs> He also asked if David Finley and Bushi formed a tag team, would they would they still both get pinned every match? Yes. Yeah. They, yeah, they would take simultaneous pins. pins yeah, every single match. they would eat like a double finisher and like both get pinned at the same no, time. No, there's so much more upside with Dave Finley than there is with Bushi. Bushi yeah. Bushi's the junior, so obviously Bushi would be taking the pinfalls, but. Uh, yeah, I'm not high on Bushi. I am high on Dave Finley though. Yeah, He's I mean, uh, new gear for this tour. Yeah. Yeah. So, great question though. That's yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that wraps it up for all the questions we got this week. Remember, you could always send us questions on Reddit, Twitter, uh, Facebook. You can email me, Jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Uh, but now it's time to get into the news. So yeah, so um, this has actually been one of the slower news weeks we've ever had. And yeah, was, usually your uh, new your notepad has like two sections. You only got one column this week. Yeah. Yeah. So and a lot of it is interviews. So um, you know, this past week, Sonata did an interview very similar to the one that Naito did. It's on uh, the NJPW 1972 uh, website, uh, just kind of discussing the G1, all the different matchups that he's having for the first time, and his expectations for the tournament. Real good write up. You know, if you want, go ahead and check that out. Um, also, Kenny Omega was on the uh, did a two part episode on the Ross Report this past week. Did you get a chance to check that out? I did not. Unfortunately, I uh, I've dropped JR, JR's podcast off my rotation a while ago. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. Hot take. Yeah, I haven't listened to the Ross Report in a long time. Well, maybe so. Kenny Omega will draw you back. Yeah, but I know they were talking about the stuff with the G one and then G one in San Francisco and you know his uh, upcoming title defenses that sort of thing. So um, heard good things about that. Um, Flip Gordon also did an interview uh, with Uproxx, kind of discussing his, um, you know, All In and uh, also his upcoming NWA title shot. That was this past Friday. Uh, if you get a chance, check that out. Um, Austin Aries, who is the belt collector, I think he just dropped the Defy title, though. So I think he's got, what, two? What, one less belt. <laughs> yeah, one less belt. I think he only has two or three now. Yeah. Um, he did an interview on, on Mirror.co. Um, over in the UK but one thing that was really interesting was he was talking about All In and he mentioned all the different champions that they're having the Ring of Honor champion WWN champion you know IWGP Ring of Honor and he was like Mm -hmm. you know can you really be considered All In if you don't have Austin Aries on that card 
Right. Yeah. It's a good point. And I was like, wow, you know, so uh, there have been no mentions for them to have Austin Aries on, on all in. But, you know, September is a long way away. So you never know. So that's a little a little little bit of a t- tidbit there. Um, Scorpio Sky did an interview with Cage Side Seats this past week. Um, talking about his time at Ring of Honor, the formation of SCU, but real, he had a real interesting take on his time working in the uh, LA Dojo for New Japan. So um, I, th- I found that to be pretty interesting, the, the uh, statements he was making con- uh, concerning that. So if you get a chance, check out Scorpio Sky's interview with Cage Side Seats. Um, and that does it for the interviews. Um, we have news with New Japan, but honestly, the New Japan news this week is pretty, pretty small. Um, one big takeaway uh, right now, most people didn't know it, but uh, Kenny Omega is actually working injured. And we'll talk about being the elite, which is where he kind of disclosed it to people. But apparently during the G1 in San Francisco uh, match with Cody, uh, Cody Rhodes, he yeah. injured his heel. Yeah, he fractured. He thinks he has a possible heel fracture. Yeah, so with that, you know, um, he's working with a possible heel fracture. We're not really sure how serious it is. He did say he's uh, heavily taping up his heel for every single match. They think he will heal from it. No pun intended. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Kenny's working, having like five star matches. matches with a fractured heel. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty crazy. Um, in Ring of Honor news, there's quite a bit of Ring of Honor news this week. So um, this past Friday, Flip Gordon challenged for the NWA title against uh, Nick Aldis. If he won, then he would obviously be booked for All In. And he failed in his title bid. Yet again. I actually watched this match. I was not impressed with either guy, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't think it was compelling. They did do an angle where there was a dusty finish, go figure, um, where Flip got pinned but his foot was on the rope. Um, and then Cody Rhodes actually came out and kind of defended him and, and consulted with the referees. And then they, they restarted the match, which, you know, never happens in other matches. But, you know, right. in this case, all the other referees came out and corrected uh, who who's the, the main referee. Uh, Todd St. Clair. Todd St. Clair. So he restarted the match. Um, he hit uh, Nick Aldis with his finisher, which is the Star Spangled Stunner. Yeah, the Star Spangled Stunner got a near fall, but he ended up uh, passing out to the... Um, the high angle clover leaf, almost like a walls of Jericho. Uh, at the end of the match, though, Cody came out and raised his hand as well as Nick Aldis. So it's like he's kind of res- uh, earned Cody's respect. Uh, but you know, Cody and the rest of the elite are all babyface now, like pure babyface, which I'm not. Sh- I don't really like that. Yeah. I don't really like the Bullet Club being babyfaces. This is just straight like NWO Wolfpack to me. <laughs> I love, dude. I love the Wolfpack. I mean, I did too, <laughs> but. It didn't really make for good, like, drawing television or anything. Uh, they, they had good merch sales. Yeah. So it really is just like the just like the Wolfpack. But, so Flip is not – did not win. And, you know, I guess I got proved wrong because that was my whole theory. Oh, yeah. So I guess Flip is not all in. And so – and actually, it seems like we're getting Aldis and Cody. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, spoiler alert. So the next night during the uh, Ring of Honor TV tapings – uh, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks won the uh, Ring of Honor Trios titles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, on the Atlanta TV tapings. Yeah, so... They beat the Kingdom. They beat the Kingdom. So that means the Young Bucks now hold both the op- never open way uh, six-man tag titles with Marty Skrull, the Ring of Honor Trios titles with uh, Cody Rhodes, and the IWGP heavyweight titles. So they've got three major tag team titles currently. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, 
Last week we reported rumors about Jeff Cobb uh, joining Ring of Honor. He went online and kind of said that he hadn't signed, but yet he debuted at the Atlanta tapings. Yep. He, uh, spoiler alert, he interrupted uh, two top prospect tournament matches. Is he a heel? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, based on the spoilers, I couldn't really tell it, but he just interfered in like two of the top tur- top prospect tournament matches. I'm not sure if it's he's going to be a babyface, just a powerhouse, or he's a heel that still doesn't care about honor. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what they do. We'll I honor. think it's a great get for New Japan. I've never really... You mean uh, Ring of Honor? I'm sorry, for yeah. Ring of Honor. You know, we, we've talked about the issues with so many guys going to WWN because they want to have the opportunity to go to NXT and go to WWE. And obviously, at this point, if you go to Ring of Honor, it throws a big monkey wrench in those works. But, um, you know, them getting Jeff Cobb is a huge get because they don't really have too many Haas-style guys in his, you know... You know, they've kind of lost, like, Moose, and they've lost Elgin and War Machine and guys like that. So, mm-hmm. I think it's good, it's, it's good for him. I think it's good for Ring of Honor. And that's, Plus, they, they, they need a top indie name in there. They have, yeah, yeah. So Besides uh, Elite guys. That's a great signing for them. Yeah. A great signing. And I'm sure they're probably paying Cobb a pretty penny to come over there, so that's great. Um, I'm excited to see what he does over there. We've been critical of Ring of Honor over the past year. Um, but hopefully this helps to, like, really turn things around. And I could see him having a great run. Ring of Honor. Yeah, me too. Um, Cody, we announced, you know, we talked about how he has a TV deal going on. Uh, you know, we weren't sure what it was, but apparently he's returning to the show Arrow. Arrow, yep. I guess he's a character named Samson. Yeah, like, yeah something like that. I, I, do you watch that show? I do not watch the show, but I remember when he made his debut on that show. So. I'm just kind of I know you watch a lot of the Marvel shows. Like, I don't really watch any of the superhero yeah, shows. Well, but. Arrow's DC. I know it is. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I know you watch the Marvel shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't know if you watched the DC shows. Yeah, I hadn't really watched it. I heard Arrow's good, though. Yeah, I've I've seen like one or two episodes, but I just haven't had the time to watch it, but... So Cody's got a stint on the show. I don't know much more beyond that, but I guess that's the gig he's got going on right now. Um, the Honor Reunited Tour is coming up next uh, next month in August from on the 16th, 18th, and 19th. They started to release the cards. It looks like they're working primarily with guys from RevPro along with uh, uh, Ring of Honor. So, you know, be on the lookout for the full cards as they get, a, get announced. And then um, Trent Beretta made his return uh, during the big show on Friday night. Yeah. Um, what was the deal with that? Um, so I don't remember exactly. I remember all I can all saw was him coming back out to hug Chucky e. T, and then um, they were also on the um, they were on the Atlanta tapings. So best friends are back at it. Yeah. So Trent Beretta. Uh Hopefully he's in great health, and hopefully we get to see the best friends in, in New Japan again, and hopefully we get to see that that heavyweight run from Trent that we've been waiting for. He's a guy that I kind of thought could have been in the G1 this year. Oh, yeah. Dude, he would have been great in the G1 this year. Yeah. Um, and then the last bit of Ring, Ring of Honor news. So there was uh, a breaking news story this uh, today that there have been feelers that have been sent out from Ring of Honor to CM Punk. Official. Like, it's, it's reported, it's confirmed to try to see if there's any interest in getting him involved with the G1 Supercard show in April from live at Madison Square Garden. What do you think about that? Dude, that would be very interesting. I mean, it's been a while since Punk has wrestled, but... I know that, like, he's told people he's done and everything like that but i don't know if he's going to continue with his mma career and what better way to bring him in than to have him go like debut in the madison square, square garden. garden 
directly against WWE on their home turf. Like, that would be so epic. Yeah, dude. That would be a great moment, dude. You know, we've talked about, like, whether or not they would sell this card out. I think if you have CM Punk at the top of that, like, you're going to sell that. that Oh, yeah. So, um, here's to crossing your fingers. Do, like, Punk versus Okada? Punk versus Omega. If Omega's, if Omega's there, yeah, Punk versus Okada would be awesome. Yeah, Punk against anybody. anybody. Yeah, give me Punk Yano. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so that's gonna do it for the Ring of Honor news and then the last bits of uh, news we got here. So, Slammiversary was this past uh, Sunday. They sold out uh, in Toronto. I think it was uh, mm-hmm. uh, close to two thousand tickets sold, and. Um, from all the different uh, reports, this was an incredible show. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I've been You know here. why we didn't get a chance to watch it? Because we invited our friends to come over and watch it with us so that we could split the costs, and they uh, opted not to do that. So, you know, I would have definitely paid to watch this if it was like $15, $25, something like that. Yeah. Maybe even 30 tops. We could have split a $30 pay-per-view but it was like 40 or 50 bucks. And I was like, dude, like I, I paid 20 bucks to go to a live show, you know, yeah. like, like a live live show all the time. And sure, this card looks great, but like, dude, for $9.99 a month, I get most streaming services with all their big shows. So it, there's not a lot of incentive for me to actually drop that kind of money for Slammiversary. Right. And I wanted to see it. The card looked great. And uh, we didn't we didn't pirate it like um, we won't call any names out, but yeah. like there there was the opportunity to catch a stream, as they say, but uh, we didn't do that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, hopefully, you know, I, I'm sure it'll probably pop up on like YouTube or like Daily Motion in the next day or so. Yeah. So I'll probably uh, see it. <laughs> we had the uh, Bone Soldier, Taiji Shimori. He was in a fatal four way. I heard great things about that match. But he, he, uh, he didn't win. Yeah. But I, I heard he'll be at the, the TV tapings. Oh, yeah. So he's going to be with the, the uh, TNA TV tapings, which just shows that there's a strength in relationship between New Japan and Impact. And Impact yeah. So I, I'm still going to call him TNA. I don't care. <laughs> I'll call him TNA forever. Um, I'm going to be like one of those old guys, like talking about WCW and I'm like the NWA. And they're like, what are you talking about? WCW. <laughs> um, but that's going to do it for the ring of honor news. Uh, oh yeah. I already covered that. My bad. I'm tired. Like I told you guys. So last bits of uh, news here. So Zack Sabre Jr. What, the, uh, progress can be running a show in Wembley later in the year. Zack Sabre Jr. Has been a mainstay in the progress, uh, you know, Promotion is actually going to be missing the big Wembley show that they're doing because he has uh, dates and obligations with New Japan, which was kind of surprising because that's a guy you would expect to be on that show. Uh, he They did send out a tweet about it, and he sent an apology out to people. Um, earlier this week, uh, Will Ospreay was uh, tweeting about his new promotion, Frontline Pura Rezu, and he was talking about that they're looking for sites in Manchester and Bingham uh, for later in the year so that they can run shows there. Um, during the first week of August, stars from Ring of Honor, uh, um, Christopher Daniels, the Briscoes, and Matt Taven will be um, doing TV tapings with CMLL during the first week of August. So if you catch the Friday night Arena Mexico shows, you can catch those Ring of Honor stars doing some crossover work. Um, 
Matt Taven, uh, actually, I, oh, I didn't cut, uh, go over this, but Matt Taven did an interview with Fightful talking about um, you know his work in CMLL and Ring of Honor and also potentially working for New Japan. And there was also uh, criticisms that uh, Naito was interviewed about earlier this week, talking about how weak the, the G1 blocks were and things like that. Yeah. Very interesting read. Um, SCU has a new shirt out. SCU? SCU. Uh, the, it's a take on the ECW shirts. It says SCFNU. <laughs> so uh, I think those shirts are out now. So you can probably either get them on what? Pro Wrestling Tees, yeah. Or the Ring of Honor website. I'm not sure who's sell, who they're selling those through. Um, for All In, we got an All In match announced uh, earlier today. So it's going to be Hangman Page taking on the bad boy, Joey Janela. Yeah, that's a very interesting matchup. And um, here's what I'll say about this. Hangman Page will work really hard. And even though Joey Janela is not the best technical wrestler, he does work very hard when he has big matches. So I think both of these guys are going to work very hard, and it's going to end up being a good match. Yeah, did we talk about Joey Janela last week and like his work in uh, Evolve? I can't remember what we talked about last week. Uh, I remember we talked about him on being the elite, but I can't remember if we mentioned anything else about him. Yeah, so I mean, you know, he, Joey, I, I've talked about Joey Janela quite a bit with other people this week, so I couldn't remember if it was something we discussed on the show. But from all reports, Joey Janela is like, you know, everyone knows about, you know, the big shows he's been doing, WrestleMania weekend, his work with GCU and all that. And Bola or like, uh, you know, um, PWG mainstay and that sort of thing but you know just recently he won the WWN title and um, I think he's not even officially signed with WWN I think it's more like a per date uh, deal yeah but he's such a big star in the indies that he can kind of get away with doing that sort of thing but from from all the like um, reports it's like the work he's doing in Evolve right now is better than anything he's done in other promotions yeah he's been working really hard in Evolve yeah so I'm, I am excited I've been critical of Joey, Joey Janela I've seen him live several times and every time I've thought like you know great entertainer you know but not necessarily a great wrestler right but with I think with um Hangman, this could be a really, really good showcase. I am surprised we're not getting him versus Joey, Joey Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, seemed like we we're going mm. like the story's been building to that forever. So I don't know what's going on with that. It's very interesting. Um, but with that being the case, I think that this has the potential to be great. Uh, what I am excited about was just the fact that this is a match that you wouldn't normally see anywhere else, unless it was a PWG show. Right. So you know, kind of showcasing two young upcoming guys. I I think it's a really cool matchup. We got a, also uh, Penelope will be out there. So yeah. that's, that all will be great. <laughs> so um, let's talk about Matt Riddle. So we just had breaking news literally on the air yeah, as, we, as yeah. we're recording the show. So um, there have been reports that Matt Riddle has been canceling his uh, dates over in Dublin for OTT and other indie dates. And literally just now, as we were recording this, we got a report from our friend Caleb Baldwin. Shout, Shout out, out Caleb. Caleb. <laughs> but um, he's been pulled from BOLA. So the rumors have been that like there have been feelers and interest from New Japan as well as WWE. Um, most reports are stating that it's most likely that he is go- he's signing with WWE. Yeah. And now that he got just pulled, he literally just got pulled from Bola. That, that seems more of a WWE move. I feel like New Japan will let him finish that stuff out. But uh, yeah, man, I think he's signed. I think we'll be seeing uh, Takeover Brooklyn. We'll be seeing uh, Matt Riddle front row. Do you think that they're scrambling because of the uh, G1 Supercard? Uh, they could be, but I feel or, like... Or just the fact that they don't want like New Japan to sign up a Matt Riddle? I think 
would lean more towards that. I mean, we've seen the game plan. They just want to sign everybody. Um, so, yeah, we'll see Matt Riddle. They literally, like, signed up Chris Hero in the middle of, like, one of his career renaissances just so that they could get the guy under yeah. and not let him be work other places during, like, WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, Sucks. that's lame. So but, I don't know if this is a good move, but uh, all the best to Matt Riddle. If he does end up working with New Japan, as some of the reports are stating, we'll see. Um, I would love that, but I don't think it's going to happen. And, um, you know, every year we get those questions, who are we going to see uh, – you know, coming to, you know, the G1, I, we're probably never going to see Matt Riddle in the G1. Uh, this this might mean that we don't see Bloodsport. Yeah, no Bloodsport 2, which I'm kind of sad because I, I missed Unless a chance. Unless they do it and then they just don't call it Matt Riddle's Bloodsport. Yeah. Um, that show is great and I, I want to see more of it, but okay. And then uh, we're going to close out the show. So we got a, a new episode. It seems like every Monday we record this show, there's a new Be in the Elite. It's yeah. Like on a ske- the same schedule as us. Yeah. Because we're in sync with the Elite. <laughs> Uh, but the new being the elite all out and uh, that was it was another great episode yeah another fun episode Um, they kind of set up the Joey uh, Janela and Hangman Page in that episode where Juice was like Oh, Juice was so funny oh, on this yeah. episode. He was like, I heard about you when uh, Joey and like Hangman like went off on him and he's like, Janella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, oh, Ujira was hilarious. Oh yeah. He <laughs> was like, Joey Janella. <laughs> what did he say? Cause he I, was like, uh garbage indie fuck what? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so funny. But yeah, so we call him a garbage indie F-wad. Like, that's great. Um, and Hangman's, like, basically he was like, oh, he's like, he's like, aren't you concerned that, like, Joey Janela is such a badass? Like, Matt was putting him over. He's like, a badass? He's like, I murdered somebody. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I never want to see him on this show again. <laughs> he's like, you, he's like, when you see Kenny, you tell Ken, or he's like, He's like, he's like, yeah, when you see Kenny, you tell him to tell Nick, to tell Marty, to tell Matt. <laughs> to never have him on our show again. And he's like, you're going to have to write that down for me to remember it. But uh, I will see Kenny tomorrow. He's like, I'm going to be whooping that ass. <laughs> he's like, yeah, so, uh, yeah, like, Juice is like the best talker on the show. Like, yeah. He's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what else was on the show. Well, SCU was there. They just oh, yeah. talked about how terrible, like, Nashville Texas. was. He's like, if it would, or if it would, or Tennessee, he's like, yeah, this was named after Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash is effing awesome. Yeah. He's like, but I found it's not even named after him. <laughs> then they talked about, like, Willie Nelson and, like, uh, I think Harry Connick, or, no, not Harry Connick Jr., uh, Wylan Jennings. Yeah. And, like, how they didn't fit, like, Nashville standards. Like, SCU's great. Yeah. They got the new shirts, so that's cool. Um, best Friends. Oh, yeah, Best Friends are back. And they stole the, the, the IWGP titles. Life. Yeah, they were going to throw the IWGP. They threw something else away on another episode but I don't remember what it was but it was so funny when they did it so they were gonna throw the titles away again and the young guys were like what are you guys doing <laughs> give us our belts dude like so you know the, the DIRL are back um they talked about Cody basically working on Arrow um there wasn't too much more was there anything else that was nothing yeah nothing too big yeah but, so but it's another another good episode I feel like we're missing oh Marty oh yeah Marty and uh Nick Aldis were talking and he's like you know you're gonna have your hands full of Okada you know 
It's going to be a big challenge for you. He's like, what? Just because I'm a junior, you don't think I could uh, deal with Okada? <laughs> and they had like, this back and forth. And he's like, you know what? You should hold my world title so you can, you know. Help. Visualize yourself as a heavyweight champion. Yeah. And then he like grabs the belt and he's like, oh my God, how, <laughs> how much is this way? It's he's like, like, it's 10, 10 pounds, pounds of gold. gold. <laughs> he's like, oh my God, I'm he's so screwed against Okada. Okada. <laughs> He's like, he's like, you don't think I can beat Okada? This is not the 1980s. It's not jo- John, Big John Studd and Andre the Giant. Yeah. He's like, you think I can't beat him because I'm a junior? Oh, uh, it was popping me. Yeah, that was hilarious. But that's pretty much it. Uh, that's uh, gonna do it for the news. Like I said, there's not I got, a lot of news. I got one, one other thing. I just bring found. Bring it back. Bring it back. Uh, Day Boy Smith Jr. under his real name of Harry Smith captured a gold medal in the expert division in the super heavyweight division of the Billy Robinson Classic. Really? He was coached and trained for the tournament under Josh Barnett. This was a shoot tournament put on by Scientific Wrestling, which is a company that promotes old-style catch wrestling. That makes a lot of sense, actually, because I do know he's trained with Josh Barnett, and Josh Barnett has said he's, like every bit as good as any other grappler on the face of the planet um, and that like if he wanted to go into MMA he definitely could have a successful career in that so I'm not surprised at all but that's really really cool Billy Rob that's awesome yeah yeah so Dave Boy Smith doing big things out here it's good to hear about him doing something other than throwing hot coffee in people's faces <laughs> yeah and spitting but, on fans yeah it's great well that's mainly uh, is that gonna Archer do yeah that's it well he sometimes he does it too though. yeah so yeah, so great episode. We got uh, what three more nights coming up, or four more nights between now and? Uh, uh, I can't remember. I think it might be uh, three, three okay. or four. Three or four. I know there's one more stretch of four nights. We already got through the first one, and we got a little break until Thursday, and then we've got what uh, the weekend, yeah. three or four matches. Yeah, we got like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I think. I thought. I think Sunday. Yeah, or Thursday, Friday, Sunday, something, something like, like that. Yeah. So we'll keep, we're gonna keep you guys posted. We'll be back with another episode next week. Uh, you know, thank you guys for your questions. Thank you guys for your participation and supporting the show. Um, and take us out here, Jeremy. Yeah. So make sure you connect with us on social media on Twitter. The show is at ki strong style. I am at Jeremy L Donovan. You can follow the parent brand Social Suplex at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash social suplex. We're also in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. There is a G1 Climax 28 thread in the Wrestling Squared Circle. A lot of people are watching the G1 and commenting, so join us and come on that thread and talk about the G1 with us on Reddit. Uh, I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta. The Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show uh, from Scotland. Outsider's Edge, hosted by Rance and Carl. And apparently sometime uh, Kyle Moore is making a couple run-ins on the Outsider's Edge. Kyle's the guy we need to get on this show. Yes, we do. And Tom. Yes, dude. Yeah, Tom. We need to get Tom on here. Um, also, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Chris Bryan and Jeremy Tate. I believe they'll be back this week with an episode. And both of those guys are planning on going to BOLA and planning on getting some interviews and reports. So, you know, check out their show. A lot of great stuff there. And... 
think I got everything. Of course so. you did. You do a great job. <laughs> Shining star of the of the, the podcast, the golden star, Jeremy Donovan. <laughs> so yeah, check out all those shows. Leave us a rating and review. Subscribe to the network. Your rating and reviews help us get seen to other people. Rate us, review us, share us with your friends. Let everybody know about Keeping It Strong Style and the Social Suplex Podcast Network. If you see us out in shows, come and say hi to us. Until next time, goodbye and good night. Bang. Laser gun. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Next time. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.